Full credit to the boys is brought to you using quality microphones and interfaces from Rode Microphones. Australian owned and operated, Rode products are world-class audio equipment. If you're creating a podcast or making music, you need Rode on your side. Rode Microphones, exclusive audio sponsor of Full Credit to the Boys. This week on Full Credit to the Boys, NRL is back and it's better than ever. AFL isn't jealous, they're really happy for the NRL. And we get the drill out on some big issues in sport. Welcome to Full Credit to the Boys. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Full Credit Boys live from the Craig Gower Quarantine Studios. You can find us on Twitter at FCTTB underscore podcast, Instagram, FCTTB podcast, or one word. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at former underscore legend or search the hashtag social influencer deluxe. You can find the bloke to my right on Twitter at Sid Punts or one word. He's a man who this week declared that unlike Kyle, Kylie Jenner, he is still a billionaire. Yep. Uh, he's made it to the final four in MasterChef as well as going through to the auditions of The Voice. I've been busy. And tonight, He's wearing tomato sauce down the front of his white singlet. Welcome, Sid. Yes, well, thank you very much, former. Hello, Australia. Hello, world. The footy is back, former. How good was it? We've heard all... Was it? Was it this week, was it? Oh, it was so good. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about later in the show about the new rules and everything, but it was so good to have the footy back on. We've heard all week that the NRL is now beaming into a potential audience of 300 million people mm. being... The only big game restarting. Mm. Let me tell you, full credit to the boys tonight is being broadcast to a potential <laughs> worldwide audience of 7.8 billion people. Hearing that, hearing that blue bet? <laughs> well, <laughs> May Inc., NDF Electrical. Peter Fitzsimons, of course, during the week, wrote his 17th negative article about the NRL <laughs> in five days, explaining, had to explain this to people, that not all of those 300 million people tuned in to watch the Titans game. Uh Great article. (laughs) He just doesn't give up. But uh, hopefully all the world's population that has access to this podcast does tune in. I'm sure they will. We'll know next week. But a fantastic round of footy, a great advertisement to the world about the greatest game of all. Uh, We'll talk about it a bit more later on. Yeah, well, the TV numbers, both here and overseas, 4.5 million Australians tune in to the Telstra Premiership's return to our screens across all of round three, making for the fifth largest TV audience in a regular season weekend in NRL history. Unbelievable. Uh, Apparently close to 2 trillion people across the world tuned in. Yeah, right. (laughs) uh, With Americans actually stopping destroying their country to cheer on their favourite new sports team, the Gold Coast Titans. Well, that's what I was worried about, that they wouldn't be able to watch it because they smashed all the TVs. This is Brian Henderson. I'm Alan Jones. I'm Vivian Chin. This is Kent Brockman. I'm on Burgundy. The stories that will hit the headlines tomorrow. Our first story comes from the Wagga Wagga Advocate, and it says uh, Swiss brothels outline list of coronavirus safe sex positions in a bid to end lockdown. Good news. Uh, the association representing Swiss sex workers 
that's how I warm up for this show, saying Swiss sex workers about a thousand <laughs> times, hopes uh, the government will approve its plan for ending the industry's lockdown, including a list of sex positions which minimise the risk of transmitting the coronavirus. I saw this list. I learned a few things. Well, as a man, Sid, who you're known in the adult industry as the man of a thousand positions, you were telling me <laughs> off air before we started that you asked Swiss authorities for their advice on a couple of your favourite positions, the ploughman, the switchblade, the walking crab and the seahorse. Uh, yeah. any, any replies? Well, I, they weren't aware of the ploughman, so I, I've patented it. <laughs> Have you? We've got a trademark in Switzerland over that now. Uh, the Switzerland's adult industry has been one of the country's heaviest hit due to the coronavirus lockdown restrictions. <laughs> That's what they're known for, the Swiss. <laughs> their cheese, Toblerones they're and root and prozies. <laughs> their chocolates that hurt your mouth when you bite into them. <laughs> And they're little knives that have got stuff to get rocks out of horses' hooves. And soon the plough position. <laughs> the ploughman. <laughs> Brett Ploughman. Um, the industry's lockdown reopening plan prepared by Peak Body Procore. Um, that's right, Procore. Uh, includes a list of sex positions which minimise the risk of spreading coronavirus. As reported in Swiss media outlet Watson, uh, the suggested positions include doggy style and cowgirl slash rider positions, which the association says minimises the risk of droplet transmission and keeps the distance between faces as large as possible. Did you have to Google those two positions? Well, no. Coincidentally, though, these two positions are also recommended by the clergy of the Catholic Church, as long as there's no witnesses around. Wow. In addition, rooms will be ventilated for at least 15 minutes after each customer visit. Um, why is that mandatory, you'd think? Why yeah, is that a new thing? It's bollocks. <laughs> While sheets will also be washed after each visit. Whoa, whoa, again, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> again, why is that new? <laughs> How often do they change the sheets? Uh, uh, Gloves, condoms and disinfectants would also be employed in all adult facilities while training and information campaigns would be adopted to reduce for, reduce the risk of uh, infection. You don't need gloves with the ploughman. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you need a, a scuba mask for some reason. Uh, the association said visits would be kept to a maximum of 15 minutes and that kissing would be discouraged. I'm going to ask, you guys to a knock shop to kiss. Yeah, I've got more to say about that later. <laughs> uh, in order to follow um, up tracing, customers' contact data, including names and phone numbers, will be kept on hand for the following four weeks. Risky. Jesus, I mean, there'll be some blokes ducking and diving that one. Yeah. Name, uh, John <laughs> Citizen. <laughs> Number, O. <laughs> Four oh, we got four hundred numbers for this John Citizen. <laughs> Procore said that the uh, hello Mary Citizen. Yeah, no, John's not here. Um, Procore said that if the demands are followed, the lockdown restrictions for sex workers will be lifted when the next round of lockdown measures are eased on June eight. Uh, the association also said that the ban should be lifted as a matter of urgency, as it was encouraging illegal sex work to take place across the country, which gave rise to security concerns. Yeah, look, I've got to say, I don't know much about brothels, to be honest, former, when you're a good-looking rooster like me, kind of don't need to go to these places. Uh, you do own four of them. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that the uh, ladies don't do kissing. I learnt that when I watched uh, Pretty Woman. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah. I feel like that movie was more like a documentary than a rom-com. Absolutely. A true refre reflection of prostitutes. Very realistic story. I learnt from that movie. The prostitutes don't kiss. I learnt that all prostitutes look like Julia Roberts. <laughs> I also learnt that Richard Gere is into women. 
Not sure about that. Mm. But uh, in the real world, I think this is a win for Swiss prostitutes. Swiss prostitutes, I don't know. That brings up a whole lot of images in my head. Uh, But a girl's got to earn a franc. And uh, the Swiss government's made it clear what their priorities are. Prostitution, it's good to go. But judo and ballroom dancing, no go. No, no. Good priorities. Well, there's plenty of ballroom in the the brothels these days. Uh, Next story comes from the Orange Advocate, and it's uh, blinking sex robots and dolls with skin goosebumps, almost indistinguishable from humans. I wouldn't think they're indistinguishable from actual humans. (laughs) Well, I'll get to that, because uh, sex dolls that have synthetic goosebumps on their skin, oh, really, not real goosebumps, actually synthetic ones, um, are giving them a human-like appearance close to being indistinguishable. I hope I don't have to read that word again. Supplier Sex Doll Genie, SDG, told the, um, what did I say it was? The Orange Advocate. advocate. (laughs) (laughs) Demand has rocketed during the coronavirus lockdown. It comes after manufacturers that SDG, sorry, it comes after manufacturers that SDG works with introduced a range of groundbreaking lifelike features. Some of its sex robots produced by AI tech are capable of blinking as they hold conversations with customers. Uh, it's doll manufactured by Gynoid, which I got a cream for, are so realistic that they have goosebumps placed into the skin. SDG co-founder Amit told us, Amit doesn't have a second name, much like sure. Um, <laughs> AI, AI dolls blink, smile. Uh, we're getting to the point where we can now call them sex robots. Well, we've been calling them sex robots for a long time, former. Aren't we foolish? I think um, uh, we're the number one podcast in all the lands for your sex robot information. Surely we'd I be I could close. be wrong. Uh, well, apparently seven trillion sex robot fans might be listening this week. Yeah, they've got access to it. But some of the other premium brands like Gynoids, uh, they are probably the most high-end dolls. They go for up to £6,000 and they actually started around 4000 Wow. But it's the technology just around the corner that has Gynoid really excited. Our next-gen dolls will be even more realistic. They'll be able to talk and will be able to tell you why you're not as successful as your neighbour. They'll tell you why... <laughs> Uh, how much of a cow your mother is, and how, they, and they will all have better-looking sisters. Uh, fellow co-founder Janet Stevenson previously said, we are seeing the sex doll industry go through a revolution during the COVID-19 pandemic with a huge increase in orders from both couples uh, and male and single females. Couples who have been quarantined together seem to be much more open to trying something new after possibly experimenting more during the lockdown. We are also seeing more single men and women placing orders for the first time. We think this is because they view solo play as a safer alternative to dating apps like Tinder right now. It's a statement that Aussie app developer Sid Punts has refuted after his new app, Aussie Dogging and Pegging, went live this week. Mr. Punt said, there has never been a better time to use our app and set up a meeting with an anonymous group of people to overcome you in the darkness of a park. I totally stand by that. Look out for my new app. Yeah, look, I can see why people are ordering these. There's less chance of getting the Rona with a sex doll than slipping your Frank into a Swiss (laughs) prostitute. But uh, I don't know if I'd buy a sex doll from a company called Gynoid. (laughs) It actually sounds like an STI that you would catch from a sex robot. These things are getting super lifelike. They have conversations with you. They blink. I'd like to get a Kardashian one just for the conversation. Just so everyone knows, I'm actually doing this show sitting on a cushion this week because my goinoids are played right up. FCTTV. Fine. Fine. 
next story comes from the Tamworth Tribunal, home of the Warriors. Uh, men hired for a stranger's sexual fantasy went to the wrong New South Wales address. This is a fantastic story. Uh, two men using the new app Aussie Dogging and Pegging were <laughs> hired to carry out a stranger's sexual fantasy of being tied up while clad in his underpants. There's some teething problems. <laughs> we're trying to roll out the uh, update as soon as possible. It's just the beta version. <laughs> I didn't anticipate this happening. <laughs> Uh, they went to the wrong New South Wales rural address with machetes, <laughs> but politely left after realising they'd made a mistake. One of the Sydney men, Terence Leroy, has now been found guilty. Uh, sorry, not guilty. I must say that again. Has now been found not guilty in the New South Wales District Court of entering the home in July 2019, intending to intimidate while armed with an offensive weapon. Describing the facts of the case as unusual. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Judge Sean Grant said the Crown hadn't excluded the reasonable possibility that Mr Leroy entered the house as part of a lawful plan to carry out some sort of sexual fantasy. Uh, They carried machetes as either a prop or something to use in that fantasy, the judge said, and he's published reasons for the acquittal earlier this month. Um, The fantasy was unscripted and there was uh, discretion as to how it would be carried out. This will always also be the excuse that uh, um, Sydney man at former underscore legend will be using next time he robs a bank and gets caught. <laughs> it was a sexual fantasy. Uh, according to statements tendered, uh, that's that, that site again is also Aussie de- Dogging and Pegging. Yeah. Um, this Download fantasy- today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, not in the iTunes store, I think. There's a free version. Of course. It comes with, <laughs> comes with ads. Lots of ads. <laughs> For lawyers. Um, <laughs> according to statements tendered at the brief uh, judge alone trial, a man living in western New South Wales near Griffith wanted to be tied up and have a broom handle rubbed around his underwear. <laughs> the more I read this story, the better it gets. It's the best story. I don't even really giving. have much to say about it. It's, it just writes itself. If I had said to you, Sid, write me a cool story. Yeah. Obviously, this would be it because it's part of your life. But, you know, other than this, you wouldn't expect it. He was willing to pay $5,000 if it was really good, um, the judge said. The would-be client had a history and proclivity for engaging the services of people, a police officer said. After making arrangements with a man on Facebook for people to engage in the role play, he sent his address, which he later updated after moving to another (laughs) home. Um, uh, it's not the same as getting a pizza delivered to the wrong place, <laughs> but on July 14, a resident living in the same street as the first address noted some light coming from his lounge room when he got up to go to the toilet. Assuming it was a friend who came to make a cup of coffee, he yelled out, bugger off, it's too early, which is ironic because they were there to bugger themselves. Uh, after reading a voice, sorry, after hearing a voice ask if his name was that of the intended client, the resident turned on the bedside light, took off his sleep apnea. <laughs> Took off his sleep apnea mask. If I wrote this, you'd be like, that's too much. That's too much. No one will believe this. And saw two men standing next to his bed. They carried machetes pointed down towards the ground, which is always important. They started to leave after he told them his name, which was not that of the intended client. One man apologised, saying, sorry, mate. (laughs) Shook the resident's hand while the other one said, see ya, before they drove off. The resident then contacted the police. 
Uh, when the men and their driver arrived at the correct address, the would-be customer noticed one had a great big knife in his pants, which he put in the car after being told not to bring it inside. They had coffee and the client made bacon, eggs and noodles before Mr Leroy, Leroy fell asleep on the couch. Police turned up soon after and found the machetes in the car. The judge said the Crown had uh, had, had proved Mr Leroy, Leroy was one of the men who had entered the house with a machete, but, but had not proved that his intention was to intimidate. Mr Leroy's barrister successfully submitted the entry was for a non-criminal purpose. It was a commercial arrangement to tie up and stroke a semi-naked man in his underpants with a broom. The lawyer shook his head, as he said. It's still a better commercial agreement than Rugby Australia's got. <laughs> oh, and if it couldn't what get a any, bizarre story. Things just got better because on Thursday, the return of Rugby League, uh, round three, the Broncos played the Eels up there at um, uh, Daylight Saver Stadiums and the Eels won 34 points to six. It was the first game on the return of the NRL after 60-odd days off and we witnessed Parramatta flex some attacking muscle, easily counting for the Broncos up at Daylight Saving Stadium. The Eels ran in six tries to one as they topped the NRL ladder, uh, currently sitting three wins from three games. In a night of first, we got a glimpse into the rugby league future with uh, one referee, the six-again ruck infringement penalty and uh, piped uh, crowd noises. Overall, it was a great return to live footy, and to be fair, the Eels look like they've got straight back to business, while for the Broncos, the jury might still be out. Uh, the possession rates were horribly slanted to the Eels, with 62%, uh, making the Broncos' task close to impossible. Yeah, the possession rate was uh, heavily slanted in the Eels' favour. Due to a combination of things, the Eels adapted better to the fast pace of the game. The Broncos just made too many errors when they finally got the ball, dropping it a couple of times early in sets. Uh, the Eels were the first to get six again calls to them on only their second set of six mm. that marched them down the field for the first try in only the fourth minute. And the Broncos at times looked out on their feet, having to make 401 tackles in this game oh, to the Eels' 249. Now, you can simply cannot win a game with those stats. No. Uh, despite being in a beaten side, Payne Haas was enormous, Sid. Uh, according to Full Crew, the boys' backyard stats lab, heavy hands Harry, and his pervy brother, sticky hands Harvey. Uh, he finished with bugging me dead, you'd never believe it. Yeah. 41 tackles, 188 running metres, a try assist, three line breaks and a tackle bust. Unbelievable. The young forward led his pack from the front and in a night where his team spent the majority of time tackling, it was a massive effort. It certainly was a massive effort. He actually made 49 tackles, <laughs> but Carrigan made 51, Hopawati made 44, Dick Turpin made 64 tackles and that was the story of the night for the Broncos. Broncos. There's... Uh, not much you can do in attack when your forwards are absolutely gassed no. from so much defence. It was only 12-6 to the Eels at halftime, which surprised me after Brody Croft scored a great try to keep the Broncos in it. Then uh, another great try from my tip for most tries this season, Sebo. He scored a spectacular effort in the corner, but I thought the Eels should have been further in front at halftime. It wasn't until... The 60th minute mm. that they started to pile on the points, but it was a great win for the Parramatta boys. It was. Um, well, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, depending on how you look at it, the Broncos have slipped since the competition went into hibernation, or they've improved from last time they played the Eels when they beat them by 58 points. Yeah, that's true. Now, either way, the Eels look like they've got the wood over the Broncos, but super coach Anthony Seabold was left wondering who is watching the 10-metre defensive line now that we've gone back to one ref. He mentioned Parramatta's 
incredible line speed, use those uh, air quotes, and also the fact that they only received one penalty in the whole game about four times during his press conference. Yeah, well, Seabold can complain all he wants about the 10 metres or the lack of penalties he received. But the fact of the matter is Para totally outplayed them. They were quicker than the Broncos. They adapted to the rule changes better. They dominated field position. Get this. I had to read this several times. 13 players racked up 100 metres or more for Parramatta. Mm. Only four of the Broncos got to 100 metres. I think Seabold's plan of rotating players for the remainder of the season, will we put in that draw, his shit idea draw? Yeah, I don't think it didn't work for the Australian cricket team. I don't think he's going to work for the Brisbane Broncos. not going to work. Friday in the first game saw the Cowboys far too strong for the Titans, winning 36 points to six. It's been an ugly start to the season for the Titans, who once again were on the end of a lopsided scoreline. This time, the Cowboys scored six tries to one in a real hammering at the all-new Kissing Cousins Stadium. Uh, the win was all the more impressive for the Cowboys, who were without captain and halfback Michael Morgan. After leading 14-6 at halftime, the Cowboys kicked away when uh, Robson burrowed over from dummy half with two tries in four minutes. Uh, in the 55th and the 59th as the floodgates opened. The Titans were starved of possession with just 35% of the ball, but with their own worst enemy missing 24 tackles and making 13 errors when they did have the ball. Yeah, they were terrible, the Titans. I uh, tipped them to win this week against the Cowboys. <laughs> that didn't go down too well. But, Who knew? Uh, Who knew? <laughs> I thought if they're going to win a game, that surely this would be a chance. First I was going to say, don't feel bad. Break. Don't feel bad. You, were the, you weren't the only one, but actually you were. You were the only one that tipped Yeah, me. I thought I'd skip ahead in the tipping comp. <laughs> that didn't work. But uh, they dead set don't like look like winning a game all year until they play the Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But as you said, North Queensland, they were without their captain and half, Michael Morgan, who will be out for about another six weeks, I think. Mm. But uh, drink water and fill in halfback Jake Clifford had great games. The Cowboys just ran through them in the second half. The only highlight for the Titans in this game was Brian Kelly scoring a clever try when he did a 7.20 on the spot, spinning around <laughs> and uh, scored in the corner. And uh, that was it. Yep. Uh, in games like this, the disparity in numbers is easy to find and uh, running metres was very telling by full time. Nine of the 17 Cowboys made more than 100 metres with the ball, while just three Titans racked up more than 100 metres, led by centre, centre, Dale Copley with 108 metres. Yeah. No surprise, the Cowboys' biggest metre-eater was the extremely attractive <laughs> Jason Talmalolo with 274 metres from 22 runs with the ball. Yeah, he's always good. Uh, I thought Val Holmes had a great game too in he this did. one. He really did, yeah. Uh, I'm not sold on that whole idea of bringing him back, but he was fantastic. Robson scored two tries. It was an all-round good performance from the Cowboys, but uh, the Titans were just woeful. It was dead set men against boys out there at times. Well, it's hard to see where they go from here, yeah. so particularly given Coach Justin Holbrook wielded the axe before a round three clash, making six changes. I uh, was forced to make more before kickoff due to injury. Fullback Tyrone Roberts uh, with an ankle and winger uh, Anthony Don pulled out with Jonas Pearson coming in on one wing and Brian Kelly on the other and Philly, Philip Sammy moving to fullback for Roberts. But uh, the new look Gold Coast suffered the same old problem, Sid. Uh, desperate need of a um, performance and culture review. <laughs> Suffering from errors and poor last play options to ensure North Queensland held all the momentum. Yeah, I really don't know where they go from here. They've brought in the new coach. Uh, I think Cartwright needs to be raced back into the side to give him some... <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. I honestly don't know what they're going to do. They should relocate to Brisbane, I think. 
This was a piss poor performance from a club with no culture. <laughs> um, the Roosters, well, they won the Battle of the Anzac Parade, 28 points to 12 out there at uh, Wankbest. Uh, the Roosters got their first NRL win in 237 days, Sid, and the fact that it was against cross-street rivals. I know where this cross-town rivals comes from. Yeah, it's right across the street. Um, the Bunnies will make it all the more sweeter as they scored five tries to easily account for the Rabbitohs. Uh, even empty, Wankbest Stadium quite, looks quite good, and the Roosters have declared it their new fortress after Friday night's win, while the Bunnies now sit at one win and two losses and have many people asking some Tough questions uh, from their pre-season predictions. Yeah, they smashed them, the Roosters. The uh, likes of Kiri and Tedesco are going to really love these new rules. Teddy, he looks like he's in amazing form. He's my tip to go back-to-back Dallie M's this year. But they were just too good right across the park, the Roosters. Uh, it's their first win of the season, but they're well and truly back. But as we discussed last week, there are some real questions about this South Sydney side now. Mm. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, you know, I don't. I don't anyway, uh, in one play, Brett Morris turned back the clock to his this state of awesome. origin heroics of 2014. Now, back in 2014, Bmoz famously broke his shoulder and then then stopped Queensland half Cooper Cronk from scoring a try in that series-defining moment. Uh, the Blues went on to win the 2014 series on Friday night. Fast forward to now, Morris chased down Bunny Centre Braden Burns, who made a break, and then got up and did the same to Alex Johnson after Burns offloaded. Now, now 33 years age, and apparently the same age as his brother, yeah, and right. playing their first game together since leaving the Bulldogs two years ago, Josh and Brett were two of the Chooks' best. Yeah, that was an amazing piece of play. I don't know which Morris brother it was, but he's <laughs> run down Braden Burns, who took an intercept. He had to cover. Some meters to get to him. He's, I didn't. He's like Jamie Lyons. He like just the took pair of those off. guys are like Jamie Lyons. We yeah. go, we can't be quick built like that. Unbelievable. And they are like jets. He ran him down, but then to have the presence of mind and the pace to turn and tackle Alex Johnson was an unbelievable play. Then, if you watch it back, he made the next tackle, and at the end of the set, was there to take the ball over the dead ball from a bunny's attacking kick. It was almost Latrell Mitchell like. <laughs> Well, as has been the case all year, the Latrell experiment at fullback was a huge talking point before and after the game. He had a mixed night, although I reckon it's probably been his best game at fullback, but it was impossible not to laugh at the pre-game hype of Tedesco v Mitchell, the battle of the super fullbacks. By game's end, Tedesco ran for 267 metres, had 10 tackle busts, 10 tackle busts, two line breaks, scored a try, uh, while Latrell didn't. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's compare the pair. Latrell ran for 100 metres versus 267. Five tackle busts to 10. No line breaks to two. No tries. Uh, And when Jake Friend towed the ball through to score and get Sid's 13-plus bet over the line, (laughs) Latrell was scuffling in back play with a Roosters player. It was like, where's Latrell? He's kicked the ball through. There was no one home. It's a failed experiment. A couple of times I watched him... Uh, especially when Souths are under the pump. And he just... You know when you see, say, uh, when the Storm, Billy Slater at his best, they tackle someone on the left side, Billy would stand up and almost immediately would start running right as like a sweeper play, a sweeper in defence. I watched Luttrell, and he actually did save a try there at one stage, 
but he stood up as marker and didn't move after the bloke played the ball. Yeah. Now, as a fullback, mate, you can't. that's, you know, and I know that that comes down to a bit of experience and when he, maybe he will get better. I don't know, but. They have called me in to address him at training this week. <laughs> I bet you they, he can't wait to see you. The pubs um, are very open, so I can't be bothered. Well, yeah. Uh, well, the Warriors were too strong for the Dragons at their new home ground up there on Gosford, winning 18 points to nil. Now, despite being under strength in key positions, the Tamworth Warriors were too strong for a dead set, disappointing Dragon side, scoring three tries to nil win up at Single Mother Stadium. Uh, the win was the biggest heartwarming story of the weekend, given the distance covered and the sacrifices made by New Zealand. But for Dragons fans and their coach in particular, it's about to be a very long week as they Ooh, look yeah. uh, as long for the simpler times of a global pandemic. <laughs> uh, the Red V now sit at nil and three, while the win gets the Warriors their first points of the year. Yeah, look, a fantastic feel-good story for the Tamworth Warriors, but it was also a good win for them. It's not just all about the uh, the story. This was a piss-poor performance from St. George, though. We're going to talk about them in a new segment later in the show. But their attack is non-existent. It's slow, predictable. They didn't score a point all afternoon. Get this, they've only scored 24 points now in three games. Now, to compare that to competition high flyers, the Eels, they've scored 88. The Tigers, 76. The two competition uh, favourites. <laughs> 24 points they've scored in three games. They nearly got on the board when Ravalawa dropped the ball, but uh, he dropped it. They didn't score. They are woeful. Yeah. Uh, The Warriors are credited with one of the most non-Warriors stats of all time. They completed 44 sets of six (laughs) in a row. Uh, Coach Steve Kearney said he was surprised to learn after the game about the stat, pleasantly surprised as his team completed 45 of 47 throughout the game. Now, despite injuries before the game and with uh, some more to Peter Hiku and King Vanuyayawa. Is that right? I'm pretty sure that's not right. Vunuyayawa. Vunuyayawa. That sounds better. Just stop. Good name, King. Um, During the game, the Warriors coach was brimming from ear to ear with pride for his team before reminding everyone that it's all back on again next weekend, Campbelltown against the Panthers. Just before you go on. Yeah. It was... Really, really good to see Steve Kearney in that press yeah. conference. We take the piss and everything else, but, geez, it was a good story. Mate, I've always backed him in. I think he's a great coach. <laughs> no, it was a great story, and that's where they look like they're enjoying their, their time together and their footy together. It was an unbelievable completion rate, and uh, I think you'll find when they finally did made a, make a mistake, they used the captain's challenge to try and overrule it. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't to be. But one win doesn't make a, a season. And it'll be interesting to see if the Warriors can back it up. With more space around the rack and tiring forwards, I'd love to see what they can do when they throw the ball around. But it will be up to their big men something, to complete for the full 80. Something I've noticed, and I, I don't know whether it was just uh, an anomaly or whether it's something they've planned to do, but... A lot of the times the Warriors are getting the ball from um, kicks, from like returning a kick from, say, the Dragons. The first thing the winger does, or even the fullback a couple of times with two of us, a Sheck, is they throw a very long, wide yeah. pass to try and move the defence, I guess. Yeah. But it was, it was a clear, I think it was almost a clear tactic that they, they, they want the, the, the Dragons' defence to be moving on a sidewards play instead of a, a straight down play. I love seeing players and teams take risks like that. Yeah. Other coaches Not will be the like, Warriors. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, talking of coaches, 
Let's talk about Mary. We won't go. We're going to drill down further into this later. Yep. But I just want to read you a quote from his press conference after the game. Okay. And then I want to read you two tweets. And we don't usually read people's tweets, but I just think this is interesting. Um, he said after the game, there is no reserve grades game. So how do the players in waiting get an opportunity? And that's uh, through players not performing on game day. Uh, now, he made an interesting point there. I think you might be going to bring up the A versus Bs later. Yes. But NRL Conspiracies said in a tweet, a reminder to Dragons fans, Paul McGregor opted to include Jack DeBellin as part of his 32-man isolation squad, despite knowing he'll be unable to play, effectively only giving himself 31 players to choose from. Exactly. The second tweet comes from Jared Incognito, who's a frustrated Dragons fan. He said, They've won two from the past 13 games. Both of those wins are against the Titans. How many of the players get selected for rep... Sorry, how any of the players get selected for rep footy is beyond me. Yet those rep players regularly perform well in rep games. They cannot unite. Coaches obviously cannot direct or inspire. Further than that, they've won four from their last 21. Yeah. Those wins were against the Bulldogs. Yep. Who, let's be honest, are a bunch of tries, but that's it. Yep. Uh, two wins against the Titans, as previously said by Jared Incognito, and the Cowboys when they were on a bit of a bad spell. Exactly. They've, they, look, we will talk about it a bit more later, but they've said he's got two more weeks to prove himself. And Mary comes out and says, I'm only game three into a two-year extension. So <laughs> something's got to give. And you're gonna, are you going to talk about the A and Bs later? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Sharkies weren't strong enough to beat the team of destiny, the Tigers, um, it's our year for It's our year. <laughs> that's right. 28 points to 16 out of Campbelltown. Um, in a game of swinging fortunes and momentum, the Tigers righted the round two wrongs to beat a gritty Sharks team in a five tries to three victory that catapults them into the top eight. That's right. We're not ninth. Nah. Um, the Sharks <laughs> scored all their points in the first half, but had no answer for a rampant and vintage Benji Marshall, um, who led the Tigers to a three try second half to get the win. It topped off a shit week for the Tigers, uh, sorry, the Sharks, dealing with the Zeri dramas and leave them without a win in 2020. It was a gutsy win for the Tigers who flew out of the blocks in this one to be up 10-0. It was a real shift of momentum twice in this game, wasn't oh, it? Massively. We were up 10-0 with tries from Harry Grant on debut for the Tigers in only his third top-grade game. He scored after some great play from Brooksy. And then a try after the Tigers used their captain's challenge because the ref forgot the tackle count. It was bizarre scenes. What about that? <laughs> it was so I've weird. I've never seen that before. They kicked the ball through. It got deflected and we got the ball back. Ref says, yeah, changeover. And Benji's like, no, nah, we're going to challenge that. It's only the fourth tackle. And he was right. Yeah. But uh, as you say, the Sharks then came roaring back. The right-hand defense of the Tigers that leaked points last year let in back-to-back tries, and the Sharkies went in at halftime 16-10, and I started hitting the bottle hard. <laughs> uh, but they had all the momentum going in the sheds, but that's where it ended for Cronulla as the Tigers dominated in the second half for a great win, and the second leg of Sid's rough punt was up. Now, despite being only four foot tall, David Nofaluma was actually enormous in this one, according to Full Group the Boys Backyard Stats Lab 
quick shooting Sean and his cross-eyed brother, shit shooting Shane. Uh, the man they creatively call Noffa finished with uh, four tackles. That's right, four. But a try assist, 183 running metres, 42 of those were post-contact, two line breaks and five tackle busts. Now, a soft try to Nofaluma when the scores were level with 17 minutes remaining broke Cronulla's back. Collecting a dropout, the winger burst through flimsy tackle attempts from Chad Townsend and Josh Dugan to complete a 40-metre try. No one was more surprised than the man they call Noffa. Yeah, it was poor defence as Dugan. Is it a byproduct? He just waved Noffa through. Is it a byproduct of the game being so quick and the defence starting to get tired? Well, I've seen Dugan do it before <laughs> when the rules weren't the same. I don't know. It was pretty poor. He just uh, he ran up to the line and thought, oh, I better put a little shimmy on here, make it look like I'm having it a go. And then he was through the line. <laughs> uh, he ended up having a great game, but so did many of the Tigers players. I'm not going to list all of them, even though they should all be made immortal soon. <laughs> you think so? Madge has got them fit and raring to go. Twole was outstanding. He was. He, he's a tackling machine. He never misses a tackle. He made 43 tackles. With no missed tackles. The last time he actually missed a tackle was round 7, 2017. He ran for 165 metres. Grant was good. Billy Waters was... was Future uh, immortal. Yeah, he was great when he came on. And Brooksy was great. An all-round good performance from the Tigers. I don't get to say that too often. But uh, I think I'll be saying it a lot this year. Well, the Tigers had eight players run over 100 metres with the ball. Now, the Sharks had four. Now, added to that, the Sharks had 27 missed tackles. The Sharkies now take on the high-flying, in-form Cowboys up in North Queensland and may have to do it without half Chad Townsend, who suffered a hamstring injury, and Andrew Fafita, who withdrew before kickoff with a calf injury. Yeah, Wade Graham, who had a great first half. He was, he was electric, wasn't he? He was carving us up. Uh, it's outrageous how skillful he is, given his body shape, the position he plays. Absolutely. He's unbelievable. Mrs. Sid was watching it and said, geez, he's packed it on. <laughs> Um, She's looking at you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, he was injured at the back end of this game, but he was carving us up till then. So hopefully for Sharky's fans, he's okay. The final game on Saturday saw the Storm, uh, well, they were easily counted for by the uh, rampant Raiders, 22 points to six down there at uh, Rodrigatut. In a real turn-up for the books, the Raiders shocked the Storm with a four tries to one victory down there at Rodrigatut Stadium, despite having to defend for 40 sets of six, including 60% of the time in their own half. It was a dream return to the NRL for Jordan Rapana, who uh, scored the first try of the game after a short stint in Japanese rugby. Uh, it was definitely the game of the round, Sid, and uh, probably the performance of the round where the Raiders never really looked bothered by the, the Storm. Yeah, gee, they look good, the Raiders. They totally outplayed the Storm, whose only try came from a barge over. If you ask Mary, they don't really count. <laughs> the stats in this game, I was surprised. I looked at it thoroughly. They're almost 50-50, the, sat, the stats. 40 sets each. Uh, total runs were even. Running meters were even. Line breaks were even. Yet the Raiders scored four tries to one. The Storm couldn't crack the Raiders' defence and the Raiders took their opportunities and attack. The new rules certainly disadvantage Melbourne's ruck tactics, which is great to see. <laughs> but sure as shit, Bellamy will find a way around them. Well, you were saying to me before we recorded that you've heard Bellamy is in all sorts of danger, probably won't hold his job for the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Two weeks to prove said. himself. Two weeks, yep. <laughs> Um, new Pommy import for the Raiders halfback George Williams starred, according to Fulker the Boys Backyard Sats Lab, crime spree Carl and his obsessive compulsive brother, grime cleaning Carrie. 
Uh, Williams finished with 18 tackles, two try assists, 66 running metres, nine post-contact metres of those, uh, one line break and three tackle busts. He was... Oh, go on. You're going to say something more about um, After the game, Ricky Stewart said, George and Jack, that's Jack Whiten's combination, is something that combined with uh, Josh Hodgson is a part, a big part of our team. Yeah. Uh, they're a big cog in our whole game plan. And George, for his third game and a big break since his last two, the way he took on the game was a great example of the player he is. And he'll only improve on that. He's a wonderful, wonderful footballer. He certainly is. And he was enormous in this game. The former Wigan halfback in only his third game in the NRL, but he comes to Australia having played in four or five grand finals over there, won two premierships at Wigan, and he joins fellow Poms Bateman, Hodgson, Sutton, Whitehead down there in Canberra uh, for an all-English look in this team. To be fair, Bateman's there on an hour-to-hour basis at the moment. In the time we've been doing this podcast, he's been linked to seven clubs (laughs) and three different codes. Uh, but the Canberra Raiders, they look the goods in this one. And the women's tennis code was interesting. <laughs> it got thrown up by his manager. Good manager he's got too. Won't go over that old ground. Uh, the Canberra Raiders are looking good for the comp this year. While it was a mega win for the Raiders, as highlighted by uh, football pundit Sid Punts last week, it will be interesting to see whether their large travel schedule takes its toll over the coming months. Every game will involve bus rides and plane trips, and ironically, they'll actually do more travelling this year than the Tamworth Warriors. Yeah, and see what happened after this game. Their plane was uh, grounded due to fog. Of all the things that they can throw at this great game. Ironically, they should have been on a Sid Fogg's bus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i got shares in them. The the Panthers and the Knights battled out a 14-all draw out at Campbelltown. Uh, despite despite splitting the points, it's hard not to regard that the winners in the game were the Knights. They were. They who came, won. Came from well behind in an injury depleted side to somehow salvage a draw out there at Meth Lab they Stadium. They won the draw. <laughs> they won a draw. After losing star halfback Mitchell Pierce in the fourth minute to a bad concussion, the Knights had to reshuffle their back line for a second time when Connor Watson also left the field. All this without Kalen Ponga, injured hooker Jaden. Braley and forwards Mitch Barnett and Lachlan, Mur- uh, Lachlan Murdoch. Lachlan Murdoch. <laughs> Not very uh, impactful in the forwards, old Lachlan Murdoch. <laughs> Lachlan Fitzgibbon uh, for the Knights. a good sort, though. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Not and- sure about Lachlan Fitzgibbon's misses. We'll Google that in the break. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Sarah's going to be hard to beat, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon for the Knights. And they also had to come back from being 14-0 down at one stage. Mate, this was a cracking game of football. After the first two games that were tight at halftime and blew out in the second half, the mole, he came out on Twitter (laughs) saying that that will be the way in all games from now on with these new rules. Then lo and behold, we have a draw. We haven't had a draw in God knows how long. And what an exciting draw it was. The Knights had every adversity thrown at them. The Panthers had something like 40 sets in the Knights' 20 metres and couldn't crack the Knights' defence. They just hung in there and toughed it out, which was an amazing performance. I absolutely loved this game. Now, this game was a game of first for 2020. It was the first draw of the season. It was also... Uh, also had our first eight-point try, try after Newcastle winger Edric Lee struck Dick fingers, struck Luke Capewell in the face with his shin as he tried to kick the ball out of his hands. Have you seen how long Edric Lee's legs are? I know he, his shins are about nine foot long. He should get off any charge out of that. Um, it's the reason he doesn't play soccer. They couldn't get him shin guards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boogie boards. <laughs> 
you had goalpost pads ripped his <laughs> shins. Um, big tall bastard. Um, uh, trying to keep the ball. That took it to 14 nil, and by then it was going to be Penrith by how fast it's. Exactly. Somehow, despite so many setbacks, the Knights scored a try right on halftime and then found eight more points in the second half to tie the game up. As we said, new co- uh, Knights coach Adam O'Brien must be absolutely wrapped in his team's resilience to somehow escape with a point. They won a point. <laughs> they did. And it really is a bonus point. They were dead set gone, but uh, let's t- we've talked up the Knights enough. Let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room. What I've been rabbiting on about for six months, Judas Cleary has no idea how to coach an attacking team. The amount of possession they had in good field position and couldn't crack them is not only a reflection on how good the Knights were, but it is a real indictment on how piss poor the Panthers' attack is. I don't think that Judas's kid is going to come back and fix it all. They need to sort out their attack. I think Coruscant will be fantastic for them. He, he actually will be, yeah. But they had no answers in this game. Uh, if the Knights want to find a hero in this game, look no further than Tim Glasby, according to Full Crew, the boys' backyard stats lab, Flick Knife Neville, and his ingenious brother, Flick Mixer Mike. Uh, Tim Glasby finished with tw- 54 tackles, two try assists, 86 running metres, uh, 24 of those post-contact. Um, and the former Storm and Maroons lock would have been would have pleased his new teammates leading from the front all game and tackling himself to an almost standstill. Yeah, well, you say if you want to find a hero in this game, there were 17 heroes in this game. 15. Two of them were off injured after four minutes. <laughs> they were still heroes. They just don't remember anything about it. As I said, this was a cracking game of football. The draw kept Sid's rough punt alive. I didn't know I got paid out on the draw, so that was good. Thank you, Bluebet. Yeah, thank you, Bluebet. Good odds too. Uh, the Knights were awesome. Even without Ponga, uh, Mitchell Pierce, Braley, they've got a red-hot Canberra next week, which will be a test. Let's hope they can back it up next week. Um, the final game of the round, uh, the return of Rugby League. Uh, the Seagulls, 32, were too strong for the Bulldogs, 6. I enjoyed every game in this round, to be honest. So, well, I just think it was just good to see sport, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Is that why? Or because it was so good? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the Seagulls hit the ground running with a domination of the Bulldogs in a seven tries to one hammering. Uh, Manly enjoyed the classy facilities of Single Mother Stadium uh, compared to their home ground. And about the only thing that didn't go well for the boys from the northern beaches was their goal kicking. Reuben Garrick only landed two from seven, but it didn't matter. Uh, they absolutely annihilated the poor old hapless doggies. Yeah, the Eagles looked the goods, didn't they? Uh, admittedly, against a reserve grade side. The Bulldogs are really struggling. But remember when we were bagging the Manly back line because they were reserve graders? When I say we, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them an absolute spray, especially Brad Parker or Hank Scorpio. <laughs> Hasn't he come good? He scored two tries. He got a line break, two tackle busts, a line break assist, ran for 127 metres, absolutely shoved it up me, had a great game. And uh, as I said last week, they love flying under the radar, Manly. Desi loves it, and they're looking the goods. I've got some favourite uh, players in rugby league you right do. now, and Turbo Tom Travojevic is one of the ones at the top of the list, and he showed why he's the closest thing to James Tedesco as he bamboozled the dogs all afternoon. Now, Turbo Tom scored a double and set up another three tries <laughs> in Manly's dominant win as he seemingly continued his gun form from the past 18 months. Trebojevic scored two tries, had three try assists, 151 running metres, five tackle busts, two line breaks, three line of break assists. He got all the animals one by one into 
into an arc. There's nothing he didn't do on uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, there was, he achieved more things than they actually count as stats. He did some <laughs> things out there. People are like, I don't even know how to record that. He could have actually had three tries. I don't know what he was doing. It almost looked like he was trying to milk a penalty try instead of just falling on the ball. But he is in absolutely fantastic form. This was a tough afternoon for the Doggies, though. Totally outplayed. They have a weak roster, as we've discussed before. Still hampered by salary cap restrictions. But they're putting in for their coach, who is now under the pump. I don't... Honestly, we were talking about this just just a moment before we started recording. I don't understand this. I, I honestly don't understand it. You can see when a team is... Like if their team's been lost by the coach. St. George. I, I can't think of anyone in particular, <laughs> but, you know, Red B. Um, but the Bulldogs, tried, they tried all the back end of last year. And to be fair, talent-wise, that they, they would rank 15th, maybe 16th in the in the league. And that's I'm not being nasty. No. But they try, like any team in the comp, as hard as any team in the comp. And... Even some a lot of their losses last year were admirable losses, if there's they, such a thing. They put in all year last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. And, and at the back end of the season, they had a bit of success. They were marching up the ladder to... To say that it's Dean Pay's fault... What's he going to... ...is an We're, absolute travesty. And as I said to you off-air too, name me the three best coaches rugby league's ever seen and... Madge McGuire, <laughs> Jason Taylor, uh, Mick Potter. Mick Potter, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Sheen's... Um, <laughs> But if you looked at, say, Bellamy, probably Wayne Bennett, yep. Jack Gibson, yep. I don't think either any of those three are going to improve the Doggies by maybe one or two positions on the ladder, given the roster they've got. And that's what, what it comes down to. These guys are seizing their opportunity. They're only young guys, but they are putting in. Don't they're, forget, they sacked two it. players for trying to crack onto schoolgirls. Exactly. So, but gee, I don't know. Like Everyone's so quick to sack a coach, except St. George. And, and <laughs> well, yet, swap the two of them. Put Dean Pay in charge for six games over at St. George. Geez, and be put Mary experiment. over at Canterbury. It would be an interesting And experiment. let's see what happens. But, um, yeah, I don't understand why Dean Pay's under the pump. I mean, he only, can only do with what do with the cattle he's been given. And It's like me on this podcast. <laughs> that's exactly right. Now, probably one of the uh, really underrated parts of the Manly side is their pack of forwards. And they seem to be in some quality form at the moment. See, we all know Jake Taroyevich is very good. Joel, oh, potato, Ed. Joel Thompson plays above his weight. Amari Tapao, and he does one thing better than run the ball hard, and that's bench press. But uh, you've got to look at players, too, that are in red-hot form at the moment. Curtis Sirinan is actually playing the house down. He yeah, he's got a, a new great con- game. got a new contract last year, I think. He's yep. in there for the long haul. And also, Adam uh, Fanua Blake in this game made 200 metres uh, to lead the, the running metres in this game. Mate, they have a little bit across the park at the moment. They'll be in the top eight, if not top four again. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think a couple of weeks ago, I put them right up in the mix. I don't want to go too much into this first story, but Fox Sports report that Cronulla Sharks rising star Bronson Zeri reportedly passed six doping tests in the 12 months before his failed test in November of uh, last year. But New South Wales coach Brad Fittler says he can still play a positive role in the game. I think that's a play on words. Um, Zeri underwent a blood test on November 25 after Asada received a tip-off with the A sample returning a positive return for banned substances including testosterone, andros. You know, I can't even be bothered. Um, now, 
it, uh, it has been revealed that Zeri had passed a number of tests in the 12 months prior to the result, adding weight to the club's claim that it did not turn a blind eye to potential doping. Uh, just back on to what Freddie said. Freddie said we can use him as a vocal uh, mouthpiece about the dangers of drugs and the hazards of not using him. I don't think so. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think rugby league could handle the bad press that that would bring. Yeah, and I think there's more to come out of this story still. Um, it does point... I guess that Cronulla can say that uh, they weren't part of it because of all the piss tests that he did pass. But um, someone's dobbed him in here for them to go and take a blood sample straight after he'd mm. been in an operation. I think there's some interesting backstories we still will to play see. I don't know anything. I'm just speculating like everyone else, but it's not a good look for the game. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald report that New South Wales police have charged two men in connection with a Dally M betting scandal that netted thousands of dollars in winnings after Melbourne's Craig Bellamy won the 2019 Coach of the Year. You're on that. Uh, well, <laughs> a couple know. of thousand, I think you said. I can't talk about it. It's before the courts. <laughs> Detectives attached to Strike Force Marabai, Mirabai, dogs, have charged <laughs> Joshua Wilson and Ben Tavisol? Trevisio. Trevi, we call him. <laughs> in the game with uh, using inside information to bet on an event and possessing inside information to communicate to others to bet on an event. Yeah, I missed that call, actually. Dogs. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. That's, the, that's what your lawyers had to say. I'm sticking with. Uh, it was Wilson's sports technology company, Stat Edge, that ran the Dally M voting for the NRL as part of a contract with the game that saw it also handle team lists and team changes as well as a software for the management of junior competitions. Travisiol was the general manager of Stat Edge, which also had a contract with Rugby Australia. Yeah, well, they're going to lose this contract with the NRL over this scandal. <laughs> thanks, and uh, thanks, Scoop. <laughs> there will be no contract with rugby. <laughs> they're no good. I think they've still got that rugby. <laughs> they've got no dramas. What a mess. Like, this is uh, these guys aren't rocket surgeons. No. They're in charge of the stats, and then they go and put money on their own tab account, betting for it. Idiots. On, on, a, on a very obscure uh, market, too. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, t- and he certainly wasn't a front runner. So someone had the info, mm. and it was very quick for them to find out. Thankfully, I used the burner phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Brisbane. Uh, the city of Brisbane could have its second NRL team by 2022 with the ARL commission set to consider adding a 17th team to the competition in less than two years' time. There are reportedly four bids on the table to become Brisbane's second team with Queensland Cup side Ipswich, Redcliffe and Easts along with Brisbane Bombers outfit likely to put forward proposals. Uh, Fox League expert Cooper Cronk argued that any one of those sides would be suited to making the step up for the NRL. All those areas are big demographics for rugby league supporters, Cronk said. For me, they've got to play out of Suncorp Stadium, go head-to-head with the Brisbane Broncos and get two games up there every weekend. Well, that is why they're looking at Brisbane. A lot of people are saying we should expand into other areas, but it certainly would be good for two games out of Brisbane every round, or so they tell us. Um, 17 teams does not work for me. I don't know why you would have going back to the bye again. But uh, every time they trot this out, the Brisbane Bombers have got better PR people than everyone else. Do you like the name the Bombers? No. No, not all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as was pointed out during the week by a few people on Twitter, they think I hate everything Queensland. Well, you but, do. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually all for a second Brisbane team. But, yeah, a lot of people are bringing it up. Well, what's the point of having a brand new team called the Brisbane Bombers? Will Brisbane Broncos fans switch over to the new team or... Are there people that so hate Brisbane Broncos? Blokes tell me that... That it will increase the amount of people watching the game up there? Blokes tell me that they will 
there's a lot of people that like rugby league that don't like the Broncos up there. Yeah, so, so there's a supporter base willing to go this, or willing to go to a new club if there was a new club. They're talking about the East Tigers entering a team from up there. Don't see how that's going to work. <laughs> no, that's a bit stupid. I, I'm surprised there's not a fifth um, uh, nomination of the Gold Coast Titans. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I think to keep the teams at 16 and seeing the failed experiment experiment on the Gold Coast. I know we get people on here all the time, ex-players, that say it is going to work. I actually don't like it. Put the second team. Like, there's no connection to the Titans as there was no connection to the Seagulls, Gladiators, uh, whatever else they were called, and Chargers. Ask, ask AFL people how much they uh, think that the uh, Gold Coast Suns have been a, a wonderful experiment yeah, that's going to work. We're not that hasn't lose, taken on. We're not going to lose the Gold Coast to AFL. We're trying to grow weed on your roof. It's not going to grow. Um, the Dragons coach, Paul McGregor, has just two weeks to save his 750000 per season job, a new report says in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Michael Chamis wrote that McGregor could be punted if his winless team shows little improvement against lowly Bulldogs and Sharks in the coming weeks. The Dragons have a board meeting on June 16, and McGregor currently boasts just two wins from his past 15 games, both, both against the Gold Coast. His team lost 18-0 to the Warriors on Saturday, against a team, don't forget, that never gave the ball up until the final five minutes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, McGregor was strangely, strangely signed to a two-year contract. It wasn't strange. He, that was, he was signed for security reasons, they say, to show the team that he's not going anywhere. No, it was strange. Uh, after just five games last season, on a higher salary than premiership winning coaches Des Hasler and Michael Maguire. Wow. It would cost the Dragons about $1 million to axe McGregor, who did not uh, have performance-based payout clauses written into his new deal, the Herald has reported. Yeah, it's a total mess. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, the we, still, we still drew down on that in a little bit. Exactly. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, NRL power brokers are keen to see funds redirected towards the development of suburban venues after the state government uh, dumped plans of the $800 million redevelopment of ANZ Stadium on Saturday. The league had recently signed an extension to keep the grand final in Sydney until 2042, but that was based on a $2 billion promise that included new stadiums at Parramatta and Moore Park, as well as the uh, mentioned redevelopment of the ANZ Stadium into a rectangular facility. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald reports, according to sources, the game backs the decision by New South government to scrap the ANZ refurbishment, but will now lobby for up to four uh, 15,000 to 20,000 seat sub sorry, suburban stadiums instead, worth around 150 million to 200 million each. Doesn't that equal out 800 million they're going to spend anyway? Absolutely, it does. <laughs> for Landers, he's clever. Uh, um, Manly, Campbelltown, Penrith, and Sydney's South have reportedly been pinned as primary targets with all nine Sydney clubs to be supported as part of the NRL's plan. Well, I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. Go back and have a look at Ned Philanders's first press conference when he took over and he is quickly ticking off every box of everything he said in that first <laughs> press conference. I seem to remember when he uh, first came to the game, he said, we need that tribalism back and we need these suburban grounds. I'm against this uh, AFL model where we're all playing out of three big stadiums. He didn't object to them spending a shit ton of money on all those stadiums like the footy stadium at ANZ, but he wants... Uh, the likes of West Tigers playing out of a refurb Campbelltown and uh, a few other places. Leichhardt apparently is looking at getting a, a fix-up as well. Mate, that would be a great thing. I I actually think they should invest in Panthers Stadium, Campbelltown Stadium, but on the proviso that West Tigers move to Campbelltown. Spend the money, 
but base them out of there. That's all we've got time for this week, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> What's wrong with that suggestion? For the heavyweight championship of the world. This is a famous victory. It's going to be our Sports News. Would you like to see taxpayers' money spent on updating Brookvale? Oh, just just to get the asbestos out would be a good start. Like would that's be, probably going to cost you fifty million. You want to move them to the second Brisbane team? It's hard when they're going so well. <laughs> It's a shame. They're going to look a busted ass to make for an easier argument. But, yeah, they uh, go. Great guns now. Go, Manly. Um, basically, the sports news this week, except for one story, is going to be about AFL. And a lot of that is centering on the AFL's um, reaction and, and so forth of the NRL return. I just want to say that someone pulled me up during the week and said, oh, you've got this imaginary AFL versus NRL war going on that actually doesn't exist. AFL people don't actually care about the NRL. Well, they do, let me tell you, because <laughs> I listen to a bit of uh, Melbourne radio. You do. And any time there is a chance to kick rugby league, you, you would be surprised how often the words Hopawati, Carney. Um, let it go. Yeah, the, like the, they are the first to throw rugby league under the bus. Any time there's a little bit of smoke down there around their game, they toss in a couple of other um, not- notable uh, exceptions there's to our game. There's plenty of examples in their game. Don't, yep. don't start throwing stones. So anyway... Here we go. AFL. Anyone saying I hate Queenslanders, I hate Victorians heaps more. (laughs) So don't get offended. Uh, Hashtag talk other games down. The Herald Sun down there in Victoria report that the viability of 18 AFL clubs has been once again thrown into the spotlight after Jared Healy declared Gil McLaughlin's comments failed to give him any great confidence about the future of the game. This week, a number of high-profile AFL figures cast doubt on the survival of all 18 teams with COVID-19 causing a number of financial issues across the competition. Um, I wouldn't be looking to Gold Coast any anytime soon, would you? Twenty-eight million a year. Yeah, Western Bulldogs. This is the problem. Western Bulldogs president Peter Gordon told the Herald Sun he didn't think there was any guarantee every club would survive, especially if there was a second wave of coronavirus, which could force force more financial woe on the AFL. In a column for the Age, veteran journalist Caroline Wilson outlined the thoughts inside Clubland. There are two lines of thought, with one targeting the expansion clubs that created the ninth game and still cost the competition close to $70 million a year between them, she wrote. And the second focuses upon Victoria and the increasingly vulnerable North Melbourne, the debt-ridden Saints and even Melbourne. Jared Healy said, it has to be more complex. If you've got 10 clubs in one state, if you're a strategist, the balance is off. For me, if you're going to lose a club, it's out of Melbourne, but that would cause damage to the game. I know it's difficult because up north they are leaking money. That's the uh, West Sydney and also the Suns teams. Yep. Uh, the same applies to half a dozen clubs in Melbourne who are only profitable because of the dividend from the AFL. As in an entity themselves, they are not profitable. I wouldn't be cutting the Gold Coast. There's been too much work <laughs> laid down there. Well, he just undid his own argument. Uh, they've pumped in tens of millions of dollars into the Gold Coast. And as he said, we've been through this in the Super League war in rugby league. When you start cutting Sydney clubs, it it is at the expense of your game. So whilst it might look like a good idea to uh, get rid of North Sydney and introduce the Gold Coast Titans, you lose something with a whole bunch of fans. And it's very tribal down there in Melbourne to cut a Melbourne club at a time when they're investing tens of hundreds of millions of dollars into these two expansion teams in Western Sydney and the Gold Coast, people will be turned off the game. It's a it's a balancing act. To be fair, the one thing the AFL have done well when they've had to get rid of clubs, 
they don't forget they removed they moved to South Melbourne to Sydney. Yes. And they moved Fitzroy to Brisbane. Yes. Right? Which the you Brisbane know, Lions because they were the Fitzroy. Were they? Oh, the they were the Brisbane. They went the Brisbane Bears initially, and then they became the Brisbane Lions. But they were the Fitzroy Lions. Fitzroy Lions. Um, so yes, they have been able to move teams, and I'm, I don't know why they're not looking at doing that again. But geez, when you go through uh, profit uh, statements and financial statements from uh, the two expansion clubs, the Suns and the um, what are the other one, the Giants, which I did not long ago. It makes for fascinating reading about well, how much is... money's been thrown into that joint. About $28 million each, I could see the AFL propping up both those teams. And that's ridiculous. And this is what I was saying when this uh, whole Rona thing kicked along, that uh, when Rugby League comes out of it, there was talk whether they should favour other clubs, favour some clubs at the expense of others. You simply can't do that. We don't have that problem in the NRL. Mm-mm. The NRL gives you 120% of your a, salary cap. To run cap. a club, yep. To run the club, and if you go broke, that's on you. And mm. I think that's a good policy, uh, as this guy says. Some some dude from Melbourne, I don't know, Jared, Jared Healy, ex Swan, ex Great Wicketkeeper, um, <laughs> whatever. I don't know who he is, but he's talking some sense. These clubs are being propped up by the AFL, and some more than others. Mm-hmm. That's an unlevel playing field, and I'd be devastated if I was a a follower of a Melbourne team. Can't name one. That, well, I, I was actually going to say the Bulldogs, but when you mentioned the three that were in Danger. even more strife, uh, they weren't mentioned. I always thought the Bulldogs were struggling. North Melbourne, there's always talks about them getting moved because they struggle. But if I was a North Melbourne fan my, fan my whole life and we're getting punted and they're throwing money at the Gold Coast hand over fist, I'd be filthy. Yep. You turn you off the game. Stick with us because AFL, hashtag talk other games down. Hall of Fame member and renter quote, Kane Corns has taken aim at a veteran journalist, Caroline Wilson, and others who were heavily critical of the NRL in recent months. After Peter Volandis made a bold call to announce a restart date and begin on May 28, the NRL was laughed at for their surprise decision during the coronavirus crisis. Yep. However, the NRL has had the last laugh with no further setbacks leading to the season resuming over the last weekend. I want to go back to April 27 on Footy Classified when she was highly critical of the NRL chairman, Peter Volandis. Wilson made her thoughts clear about how the NRL was far from being certain when announcing the date. Kane, this is out of... This, this outdate... This outdate announcement is all about getting revenue back, she said in April. They don't have a fixture. They don't have venues. The AFL aren't bluing with their broadcasters. They're not sacking CEOs. But (laughs) Corns believed it was time for members of the AFL community to put their hand up and admit they got it wrong. Yes. Unbelievable job the NRL have done. Anyone critical Peter Volandis, including Timmy Watson, Jeff Kennett, uh, who have all been highly critical, are wrong, he said. Jeff Kennett, he hasn't been watching. No. It's been beamed to 300 million hours, except is. Volandis is an absolute genius. Anyone who has been critical, put your hand up. It's front page and back page. They're dominating the headlines in yeah. the NRL. I'm not having a crack at the AFL. He's had to say this to keep his AFL accreditation. He's absolutely having a crack at the <laughs> I'm AFL. I'm having a crack at the people who are critical of having a crack at them or something. <laughs> Uh, I'm having a crack at those people who now look silly about those comments they made a month ago over the NRL. Yeah, well, we've covered off on this when Volandi said, you know, this is what we're going to do. Uh, 28th, we're on. AFL went burko mm. saying how irresponsible it is. And as you keep pointing out, lo and behold, they're 14 days behind and that is burning them up, That especially this week, the massive ratings. 
They they did. They seemed like they just sat on their hands. Yep. Well, it gets worse. AFL, uh, <laughs> hashtag talk other games down. AFL players are reportedly lobbying lobbying for PlayStations, Nutribullets, Toasted Sandwich Makers, and uh, and more in an effort to make their hubs stay as enjoyable as possible. Is this fair income? Yep. South Australian and West Australian teams will head to the Gold Coast to help restart the AFL season, which will resume on June 11. Journalist Caroline Wilson said players were making a wide range of requests to the AFL ahead of the move. The AFL is bringing in PlayStations, they're bringing in pool tables into the Royal Pines Resort and also into the McEwer. The players can't play golf. They're not happy about that. The AFL has found a nine-hole golf course within the Royal Pines, and if and when the Queensland Premier eases her restrictions on AFL players, they'll have a golf course to play on. They've also found dining venues off-site because players don't want to have to eat every night at the same place. Fair dink. I hear that the Adelaide Crows are even concerned about who pays for their coffees. Well, the Adelaide Crows have asked for a bowl of brown M&Ms every morning. <laughs> they this want is... their floors to be covered in roses before they walk in every morning. Fair dinkum. Why isn't this uh, pushed more in the press? The fact that their game isn't even getting played and they're absolutely getting smashed Remember by the we were going to go to an island? We were doing everything and the AFL was like picking on us every tick of the clock. Laughing. These guys like... Oh, it's only a nine-hole golf course. Piss off. Yep. You're not getting paid unless you play. Get on with it. Gets better. AFL, hashtag yeah. talk other games down. Uh, from news.com.au, after months of snipes and swipes, Fox Footy's AFL's great commentators have praised the return round of rugby league. But <laughs> you've got to listen to the end here because there's a, a little shot back. With pot shots over the decision to suspend the season, as well as return dates and every decision in between, the AFL's opportunity to see the NRL return has buoyed their spirits. On Fox Footy on Monday night, AFL's 360's Jared Waitley praised the NRL, must have hurt, for being brave enough to risk improving their game when they made rule, decision, uh, rule changes. They made a couple of tweaks to the rules and they weren't by consensus and they weren't with the approval of coaches and the like, but it was just Peter Volandis and that's the way he's running things. And maybe it was a bit more collegiate than that, Waitley said, while co-host Mark Robinson said that the rule changes had the game in a lot more motion. Melbourne Demons great Gary Lyon, who alongside radio partner Tim Watson were labelled halfwits by NRL 360 host Paul Kent after firing cheap shots at the NRL after the game, despite the game being brought back safely uh, last week, uh, have ret- retorted. Lyon said it was a great weekend for rugby league <laughs> and said it was it was quick and I love the whole experience. Uh, uh, no one likes stoppages, and we are having too many in our game, Robinson said. But Gary Lyon, searching for a negative, pondered whether players wouldn't be able to keep the pace going over the length of the season. That's nice of Gary to think about our players. Yeah. Do we need to be careful what we wish for, he said. The frenetic nature of that game was great, and it looked good, but it's uh, one game. How are those boys going to go after 12 or 13 rounds? It was eight games. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all fantastic. Piss off. Who's that Gerald Whitley? Whitley, yeah, he's another... Talking They're head. all whingers. Yep. You know what? I apologise, all you Queenslanders. <laughs> My focus is well and truly turned. Uh, they they can't even say a good thing without a big but but. That's it's through the slipper it's through, in. It's through gritted teeth. Yeah. If you watch the, there's a, a four minute video on news I think about this story, and it, it burns them to say, "Oh, they're back. They've done a better job." They don't like to turn on their own because nah. You know, yeah, they'll get punted. Yeah, well, not those guys. They wouldn't, but they still not don't Jerry like Lyons. No, 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 Jerry no. Lyons is okay. No, no, he's too busy. Gerald Whitley, bed and his mates, misses. Uh, tennis. <laughs> 
Roger Federer has become the first tennis player in history to top Forbes' list of the world's highest-paid male athletes. The American Lifestyle magazine revealed that um, Swiss legend had leapfrogged football greats Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Uh, the world number four's ascent to the top of the rich list for the first time in his career was partly made possible by the fact that the coronavirus pandemic has halted all major sports. The 38-year-old has raked in over £5 million in prize money along with £81 million from endorsement and appearance fees over the last year. Absolutely amazing. And uh, did you see Alan Jones sent him a message of support congratulating him? That was weird. <laughs> I did not see that coming, did you? Roger Federer saying it to Alan Jones. Strange. It was strange. And everyone bagged Roger Federer. Don't pick on him. No, mate, whatever. He's a Swiss great and the brothels are shut. (laughs) He's doing it tough on his five million pounds a week. Yeah. Leave him alone. Are you having a function or an event? Are you part of a sporting or community group? Do you have a birthday, anniversary, Bucks or Hens Night coming up? Mare Inc. can supply any custom product you can imagine. Custom-made T-shirts, aprons, stubby holders, cushions, shopping bags, hoodies, tote bags, vinyl stickers and decals. Or put your business logo on a range of workwear. Go to mareinc.com.au. Whatever the purpose, Mare Inc. has you covered. Sid, no one's asked for this, but we thought we'd give it to them anyway. We're going to introduce a new segment this week, and it's going to be a bit of a serious chat about uh, well, five of the biggest topics that have come out of this week. We kind of did this in the uh, COVID-19 lockdown. We we hit it as an Easter egg. (laughs) Yeah, we weren't sure where it went in the podcast, but we found a place for it. It's Mm. going right here. So this is what you're going to call the drill down? Yeah, let's call it the drill down. Well, play the jingle. The Drill Down. Five topics. Let's start here. Five. One ref. Yeah. Work? Don't work? I think it's fantastic. I was, uh, I've got to say right off the bat. Geez, you're fickle, mate. Yeah, well, I've got to say, I've got to preface this. I'm not a fan of rule changes. I like rugby league. Every time they tinker with the rules, I get a little bit panicky. And uh, the argument was that... uh, in Super League, they have one ref. In internationals, they have one ref. And when we watch that at the end of the season, everyone's like, oh, how much better is it with one ref? Mm. I was a little bit troubled by it, especially with the other rules coming in. Uh, I was worried that the game would be quick and one ref wouldn't be able to handle it because these internationals, you got to understand, there's a lot more scrutiny over 26 rounds with all the teams. But I think from what I've seen in the first round... I think it's a winner. I think the proof in the pudding is the fact we're not talking about referees. Absolutely. I don't like even blokes that can't count to five. We're not even bringing that up in discussions. See, um, I told you the captain's challenge is going to be a great rule. The one thing that they seem to get wrong, we were able to challenge it. And it, it just, well, this, this goes into our next uh, segment, but the game is a lot quicker now. Mm. The, uh, I know Seabomb. Uh, said, oh, who's looking after the 10 metres? Well, he kept bringing up Parramatta's line speed and that's because he reckons, because the blokes are looking at the ruck, looking at the line, looking at the ruck, looking at the line. Really, that should be the touch judge's job. 
the yeah, touch well, should be indicating to the ref, they're offside, mate. Yeah, uh, one thing that troubles me with how quick the ruck is, it's nearly impossible to get back the 10 every single time. Mm-hmm. So with this six again rule that we're about to touch on soon, the, the ref actually gets to control the speed of the game and figures out whether they were back far enough for the speed of the game or, they got, or they're constantly way inside the 10. I think we'll find the 10-metre rule will be uh, a little bit determined by the ref, but I think it's fantastic. When you've got two refs, sometimes the refs were blowing up something and one, one ref would think, oh, that's for that infringement yep. and it was actually for something else. Uh, it doesn't sit right with me, the two refs. This is, it's all in charge. One bloke is in charge of all things and he gets a feel of the game and so far the proof's in the pudding. It's fantastic. I hard to see the uh, promise end of season review giving back the second ref after one round. I've got to be honest. The second ref's not coming back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a staunch union person. Once you move away, once you get rid of staff, they never come back. I The only other thing too is... Uh, I'd love to have seen Bill Harrigan with two referees just to see what the second referee would have been doing anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say. Bill Harrigan would revel in this new, uh, these new rules. Yep. Um, But yeah, on the flip side, imagine if he had to take instructions from another ref, it wouldn't have worked. Or if he was the main ref, he would have said to the other bloke, just sit there, mate. We'll call you when we (laughs) need you. Exactly. Shut up, mate. The six again rule. Number four. What did you think? Well, again, I was concerned that uh, it would put too much pressure on the ref and that the ref would be accused of, oh, another one, another one, another one. It's all all going to the same team and that would be a big blow-up at the end of each game. Perhaps that will happen. We've only seen one round. Mm. But the, the game's so quick now, there's no video analysis of that decision. It gets called, the smoke alarm goes off, and we're, we're moving on. When One of my pet peeves with rugby league, uh, soccer's the same. They're in the referee's face complaining, that. complaining, complaining. It's not going to change anything. Mm. And rugby league was going down that path where every single decision, whether it be minor or not, slowed the play of the ball and everyone argued. And, and there was four different replays of every single decision. That's gone. Yep. The game moves on. It, what it does is it brings momentum into the game to one team at, at different stages in the game. Do you think that's a concern? Because the way Parramatta started, it almost dictated the next 70 minutes because the first 10 minutes was all Parramatta off the back of a couple of six, six against. You could look at it that way. Um, and the th- interesting thing to me now will be, and we've talked about this during the weekend, it'll be interesting to see how teams like Melbourne and coaches like Bellamy combat it. Because oh, 100%. They're, while ever, they're like... They're like uh, in the old days, when you invented a new car alarm, there'd be crooks out there buying that car alarm and tri- figuring out how to get through Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So you know that Bellamy's going to be doing the same thing. And the good Smith coaches and... are going to try and exploit it. Do you think that this changes your view on who will win the comp, or does it? Does it? Or say, let, let me change that. Do you think this uh, affects teams in in the for and in the against because of this rule? Do you think it's yes, it does. It's that de- that big. Yes, yeah, I, and any rule change. And who that, does it affect? Who does it affect in the in the in the good side? Which teams do you think will will, will it come out of this? It absolutely affects Melbourne Storm. They're, this rule, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you'd you'd uh, come to the conclusion that this rule is anti-Melbourne Storm. 
this has come in to quash the way that they have uh, set set the tone of the match, uh, mm. slowing down the play of the ball and complaining to the ref and and everything. Every every advantage they've they've taken it, and this is why this rule has been brought in to get rid of all that bullshit and mm. to speed up the game. We saw uh, Man, uh, Melbourne versus Canberra that uh, they haven't adapted as quickly. We know they will, but mm. but Canberra were red hot and Melbourne, that has been their, their ploy for 10 years. But on the question that you brought up before about momentum, uh, in the fourth minute, Parramatta had... I think, I think on the two th- in a row or something. Yeah, it was like on the third tackle, it was six again. And then on the third or fourth tackle, it was six again. So it, it's not like 18 tackles that no, people assume. No, it was 12. Uh, yeah, it was probably... It was three and it was three and ten. Six. It was probably, yeah, it was probably ten tackles. And sure, that, that gets you down the ground. But the same would have happened if it's a penalty, you kick for touch and you play again, and there's another penalty. It, nothing's really changed there. The The infringements were still there. But the pace of the game, and there's no opportunity for people to look and think, was that a penalty? Was mm. that not? And that that's part of the game that really annoyed me. It's a penalty, so move on. And we are moving on. I looked at Melbourne and thought one thing that was sort of outside of this, but it comes down to a couple of people have said that Cameron Smith looks slow. You actually said I that said to me that on the to phone. You, yes. Sterling came out and said it yesterday. Oh, did he? Yep. Yeah, he probably heard yeah, me he, say it. He did, uh, yeah. he did get a call, obviously, from He's you. He's got no idea. But one thing that was interesting to me is the way they were using Brandon Smith from Melbourne. Yep. Brandon Smith seems to me, and I said this to you, it was like when Australia was naming Adam Gilchrist because he was a batsman, even though he was a keeper, and we still had Ian Healy. So yeah. Gilchrist is standing out fielding in the field. To me, it was like Brandon Smith was looking at where... Cameron Smith was at, half, at dummy half and thinking, well, that's where I should be. Well, can you it's imagine? A bit weird. Can you imagine being a hooker coming through the ranks and being on the field at the same time as Cameron Smith? You'd be like, well, Harry Grant made a good a, decision. Yeah, exactly. And Harry Grant was like down the chain. Mm. I don't think Harry Grant should ever leave the Tigers now. Well, he'd be mad too. Mate, he's got to try on his first touch. Could win six premierships. It in a could row. probably win six premierships. Um, Vossi made an interesting thing about the six, or made an interesting point about the six again. He said if a team was, say, level or down by two or down by one, and a team repeatedly infringed in the ruck to give away yes. six again but not get a penalty, would a team have the right to say, we prefer the penalty right now. Well, this is where I think, as I was saying, the the referee now controls the pace of the game and knows what's fair and what's not fair and has a fair idea about the game. Mm. If if it's the last four minutes... Surely he's just going to go, that's a penalty. And it's three penalties in a row. We already, set, we already saw a couple of sim bins uh, during this round. So the refs aren't scared to say... You're taking the piss. You it's can... really, it's really interesting, isn't it? It, it, it is. It's a, a whole like, different game, man. I feel like the referees have actually come out and they feel, look like they're a little foot taller. They believe Absolutely. in what they're doing, and they're, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, well, that's 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 what we're." And there's going no, with. as I keep saying, there's no scrutiny. It's mm. the game's moved on, and everyone's cheering, and and I believe each happening. game, each game averaged about an extra three minutes of ball in play, and that's amazing, and that's, that's fantastic. AFL would kill for that, wouldn't you? AFL three, the crowd noise, the piped in crowd noise. What'd you make of it? I absolutely thought this is going to be a disaster. Did you know anything? <laughs> did we know anything about it before it happened? 
Yeah, I, I made mention of it a few weeks ago, thinking, don't do that. No, but, but did you know for sure it was going to happen before the first game on Thursday? Yeah, I, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So I didn't, think, I didn't know about it. Yeah, because I heard that they were toying with it and AFL were toying with it. I knew why AFL were toying with it because the round, the second round, the oh, NRL, dead. which was the only round the AFL had. It was flat as attack, yeah. The, the NRL got out of that a lot better than the AFL. Yep. You could hear the, the hits and it was... It was fascinating. Mrs. Sid is like, yeah, wow. Yeah. You can actually hear what's going on in the field. Yep. But I got caught up this this round in the excitement when there's a, did he put the ball down or not? And the crowd's cheering. I'm like, oh, what's happened here? And then you think, hang on, there's four cardboard cutouts. That's in the, right. I, I forgot. I totally forgot. I, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I made I, mention I, on Thursday night, poor Americans watching this for the first time, wondering how we get our cardboard cutouts to clap. <laughs> <laughs> Must be thinking, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, like, like I said, the first time I knew or first time I knew that it was going to happen was uh, the Eels-Broncos game. And I'm thinking, surely this is just a Fox thing. So I checked, clicked over to Channel 9. Nah, it was on Channel 9. I'm thinking, yeah. okay. And then I, so straight away I was like, no, oh, you don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. As I got further into the game, I thought, actually, it's not that bad. You soon forget. Yeah, it's not that bad. I play in a band and sometimes we don't have a drummer and well, we just have drum tracks. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this isn't the same. And People could, forget after could, they're 45 schooners in. In the band you play in, you could actually do it with the crowd noise too. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, just the bass guitar tracks and I just sit there. So I didn't. So I wasn't offended <laughs> by it as I thought I might have been. And I absolutely thought I was going to be offended by it. I was like, don't do that. It cheapens it. I thought it was great. Interestingly, AFL have now come out and said that they are going to do it. I think they're oh, always going to do but. You know, I think Volandi should say, why don't you look at going back to one referee while you're at it? <laughs> yeah. He should actually patent it and yeah. sell it back to the AFL. All right. Number two. Um, well, Jeez, that took a while for yeah, you to get that, but I'm not editing it out. I'm too uh, lazy. The Matty John show this week did yep. a, a gag where they were showing, because I think someone cleverly or not cleverly, depending on how you look at it. Yep. Did a couple of those cardboard cutout things. They paid the money and it was a couple of serial killers from history and everything else. Mm-hmm. Matty Johns and that went on with the joke and did a thing about Hitler. Yep. What do what, you make of it? I Was it a gag I would have put on TV? Probably not, although not impossible that I wouldn't have. Um, can I see how it happened? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely I can. And I feel like, mate, first of all, I'm not a Matty Johns apologist. I, no. I, I don't know why Matty. But I'm not an apologist, and I, I've had a couple of cracks at Fox over the way. But to be honest with you, yeah, it was badly timed. Yeah, it was a bad joke. Um, but given the fact that they've done months of content where they've had to talk in front of cameras with no people uh, manning them, by the way, yeah, um, yeah, and do hours and hours of TV and talk and shit and like that. What do you think that's like doing hours and hours of content when you your main uh, part of your content is gone? Have you experienced that in the past <laughs> fourteen weeks, <laughs> mate? It's been tough, right? It's, yeah, um, but <laughs> I totally get it that you can make mistakes. Let, let me just go. Like, like I look. I feel like there's a lot of people that want to be outraged, yes. and I feel like there's a lot of people, especially with Maddie Johns and that, they don't mind having a kick. Probably wasn't even Matty Johns's joke, but I'm pretty sure Matty Johns has taken it on the chin of his own and said, "Probably more I'll, Brian I'll, I'll cop joke." <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of people that are perpetually out, outraged, and we on this show we've made jokes before, mate. Apparently, I made one last week that I still don't even know which one it was. Yeah, gee, that blew up. But 
we've done stuff before where people have emailed us and gone, bro, come 100% on. 100%. And, and sometimes we've, we've actually gone, yeah, yeah, fair enough. You know what? We see your point and there's no point sitting here and saying, stop it and shut up. There's actually sometimes where you go, you know what? If that's offended you, I actually apologize because when we, when we do jokes, I'm sure, pretty sure when Matty Johns does jokes and the professor and Barney and whoever else, not trying to throw them under the bus, but I'm pretty sure they don't write jokes to go, that'll get them. That'll piss some people off. One of my pet peeves is that comedians aren't allowed to say things anymore because when comedians make jokes, it makes people think about what they're saying and it's quite healthy to be on opposite sides and have a debate about Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Now, you can say that about a stand-up comic. I prefer you. I'm not going to listen to you. In front of big crowds, you can compare a massive stand-up comic to what they do on the Matty Johns show. Yep. It's probably not on the same level. It's on the same level, but the, the same principles apply. The, absolutely it does. They're trying to produce content and the amount of times, the amount of jokes that you write That's right. for the amount That's of exactly, content that you have exactly to provide to, to get one or two wrong sometimes. Mate, and I, I think he's done the, the best thing possible is come out and apologise for it and everyone should just move on. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you miss. And I, I've never missed. But. No, no, no. You haven't hit either. So, you know, <laughs> you're giving your take. One. Probably the biggest story to come out of this week was, and it seems like this has been a story for two years, is Mary McGregor and the Dragons. He's only three weeks into a two-year deal, former. And I, I talked to you on Saturday. Was it Saturday they played? Yeah, Saturday. And I said, mate, I'll just watch this press conference. I Actually, for, for all the material that he's given us over the last two years, I actually felt bad for the bloke. And yeah. it's not that I feel like, hang on, everyone's gone too hard or geez, calm down or everything. They probably haven't. But what I feel We've sorry for is I've looked at I looked at him in that press conference. I looked at a bloke that was lost. I, I just don't think he has the answers. Now, some are saying now that they're being hamstrung, that Phil Gould's review was going to give them a coach's director, but they can't afford it. Well, if they can't afford a coach's director, they can't afford to pay him out because it's going to be about the same price, about a million dollars. Yep. Um, so I did feel a bit sorry Which for him. Which astounds me that he's on about 800000 a year, more than... Uh, better coaches, more let's than, be honest. More than Dez, more than Maguire, uh-huh. and more than uh, someone else that was on co- good coin. Be that as it may, just like Ben Hunt, that's not his fault what they're paying him. Oh, absolutely. That, there's a f- there's, there's numerous, so much to go into this. <laughs> there's a lot of issues going on. And let's do it. Let's, let's drill all okay, the way Okay, let's talk about it. So there's a lot of issues going on at St. George, and everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love having a shot at St. George. I played junior footy in the St. George And club. don't forget... He's he's led with his chin a lot of the times in his losses, kicks like oh, tries he's off given, kicks. He's, he's given us plenty of material. Yeah, but I agree with you. I I don't so much feel sorry for Mary McGregor. I I accept that he looks like he's lost and has no no way of getting out of this. But I feel sorry for the St George fans that I bag all the time because that no shit, you don't. No, I do. I genuinely do because I sat there and watched that game the other day. And they were dead set clueless. So They really were. It, it was horrible. I was sitting here with Mrs. Sid because I never leave the studio. So she has to come down here and visit me in these lockdown times. I just sit down here and drink homebrew. I was watching it and I said to her, watch this, watch this. This is what's going to happen. Mm. And everything I said was going to happen in every set of six that they had came true. They eventually they, they have four hit-ups. And then they eventually just swing it wide for the sake of swinging it wide. And on the weekend, 
most of the times it would go two passes and they'd run back straight into the ruck. Yep. Now, is that because the players are dum-dums or because they are so overcoached or structured that they just do not how do, do not know how to to play any kind of football off the cuff anymore. That's what I think it is. I think they're so coached now that this team and don't forget they have got blokes like Corey Norman. They have got a fantastic team of players. Mate, their their hooker's a bloody good little hooker. They've got good good forwards. They've got Frizzell. They've got origin hookers. That's right. And, and they've got uh, origin James forward, Gra- sorry. James Graham. Yeah, exactly. You know, they've got Good halfback. And I still believe he's a good halfback. I just think, much like Mary, he looks lost as well. And I wonder whether it's because people tell me that Ben Hunt in Brisbane was a real confidence thing. A player. Absolutely. And that, that thing in that grand final where he dropped that ball, that actually affected him for a long time after. It would. Right? And so I look at him now and he looks like he's got the same anguish on his face. Like he's just lost. And th- this is the problem. We talked about it. And that's coaching. It, it, 100% is coaching. We talked about it with Patrick Skeen last week about how these Polynesian players came out and coaches actually realised, well, hang on, it's not one rule fits all. We actually have to manage these players. It's no fault of Ben Hunt that he's on $1.1 million. Same with it's no fault of Mary McGregor that they paid him full pay over the... The coronavirus lockdown. Absolutely. Mate, that, mate you give <laughs> me full play, I'd be like, you, good as gold, bro. But the fact that Ben Hunt... That's not his fault. doesn't matter if Ben Hunt's on eight bucks or $8 million. As a coach, you've got to get the best out Absolutely. of him. And even if he plays as a $600,000 player and you're paying him $1.1 million, if he's a $600 player playing as a $600 player, a $600,000 player, then you're doing your job. You've got to get the best out of him. It doesn't matter what Hopefully he's Hopefully he's a $600,000 player paying at 800000 Then you've really done your job. Exactly. But it can work both ways. If they overpaid for him, but, but he can achieve this, then you've got to get that out of him. And they're not getting it out of him. Then Frizzell, uh, mate, he's a gun player, but he's had enough. You can tell uh, that. He is dead to uh, counting down weeks already. I actually didn't watch him that closely to actually make an opinion whether he's actually clocked off for the year. Mm. Um, but there's there's issues right across the park. These guys, uh, I think we just saw Matt Dufty's now been dropped. He's, he's a, a scapegoat. <laughs> he's a scapegoat all the time. But something you touched on earlier is uh, including Jack DeBellin in their 32 players when they had to go into lockdown. Now, people have probably seen the story where they had an opposed session during the week before the big match, the the B grade players versus the the A's top, versus the B's top thirteen probables versus possibles what we used yeah, to call it back we in used the day. to call it uh, skins and shirts. Yeah, I bet you I know which one you would have been on. You would have been three shirts in. But anyway, put sit on the shirt side. Lo and behold, the B grade side carved the uh, first grade side up at training. And who led the B-grade side? Jack DeBellin, who was taking up a spot in their 32 when you have to figure out which players are we going to have to go into lockdown so that we've got enough people in injury time. He's come out. Mary McGregor's used this excuse for two years now that Jack DeBellin is the... If they had DeBellin, everything would have been better. He knows that he's not going to play this year. He adds him to the 32-man squad... And in an opposed session, he's carving up the players. He's man of the match. How what, many? What's that going to be? What good is that? How many mind fucks does that put your players through? That's exactly right. It's what good is it? It is bad man management. Straight away, and bad you're like team management. Well, there's an excuse. We haven't got our best player because he's not allowed to play. He shouldn't be standing there. He should not be attached to the club at all during this time. Let alone 
when your first grade squad in their last training session sees him run through you, you'd be looking at each other thinking, we're cooked here. And they ran out on the weekend and they were cooked. Now they you, scored 24 points in three rounds. I think we spoke yesterday and you were you were quite excited to tell me about Nathan Brown's comments on Triple M. I didn't get to listen to them. What what did Nathan Brown say? And he's he apparently, from all reports, was really good on Triple M. On he the was weekend. fantastic on Triple M. He, he pulls no punches. I don't know if he's angling to get his job back there. Um, as you and I said, they need a completely different direction, not getting well, anyone we'll associated to We'll talk about, that next. We'll talk about that next. But back just... there. But what he said was... There's a few things. He, he said the same thing about Hunt. It doesn't matter what he's on. He has to play better than he's playing now. Mm. But Corey Norman was a fantastic example. Corey Norman's played 173 or something. 170, 180 first grade games. We know that Corey Norman can play football. Oh, yeah. We also know a lot of the bullshit that he gets up to off the field has uh, reared its head several times. But somebody, Nathan Brown said, at some point, Corey Norman has to think, when am I going to get some advice and when am I going to knuckle down and actually put in the performances week in, week out? When am I going to go and ring up Cooper Cronk and say, mate, how do I take my game to the next level? How do I get better? And for a club, they're paying him good money. Mm. He's been a, a drifter around three clubs now. He's had a bit of success here and there. But when is he going to step up? And is that because of the system at St. George that he thinks he could just coast in and get picked every week? Oh, is I think it that because... might, be more, might be more about Corey. And like you say, Corey Norman can play. Without he a he can play. So what are the club, what's the club doing to get the best out of Corey Norman, to get the best out of Ben Hunt, to get the best out of Frizzell, even though he's on the move, mm. to get the best out of Vaughan, these, these big-name players – Get them all working together. It's not happening. And Corey Norman, he was quite scathing. And it was good to hear. Mm. He, he admitted that Corey Norman can play, mm. but when's the club going to get the best out of him? They paid good money for him, brought him over. The one Make thing, it happen. The one thing I said to you was, and it might have changed a little bit in the last 24 hours, but I said, it's so typical of the Dragons and the way they operate their club that in these times of crisis, even if you wanted to sack Mary, traditionally we pump up the, the assistant coach, yeah. At least give him a shot for a little while before we put in someone full-time. Or we say, mate, you know what? You've actually done a great job. St. George can't even do that. No, well, as you mentioned before, they they signed earlier on in the show, you said they signed Mary to stop all this speculation, lock him in for two more years. That that has just created an absolute Shitstorm. minefield <laughs> yeah. because then Gus Gould, apparently, you told me, has brought Flanagan in. Yep. So Flanagan can be a first-grade coach in two years. Uh, Dean Young is the assistant coach. All, all it's done is create more speculation. If Are they going to hang on to Mary for two years till Flanagan can take over? Are they going to get rid of him? But if they get rid of him, they've got to pay him out a million dollars. So then Dean Young will have to step up because that's a cheaper option. Dean Young has been there for years. He's part of this problem too. The whole system at St. George is an absolute rabble. And I don't know, look, Jamie Soward, your mate, came out <laughs> yesterday saying, well, they need to leave, lift the sanctions off Flanagan so he can take over St. George. I don't, I don't that, agree with that. Where's that come from? I don't, I don't agree with that. Look, I don't it, agree with that. There's every, so much baggage there. He's got more baggage than Qantas. Uh, it, but every turn that St. George looks at is another minefield. Clear the decks. Look, 
people will say they've done this over and over for the, for the past few years. They've just replaced like with like. Mm. They, that's right. They, that's exactly right. They got rid of Douse, promoted his deputy, got rid of him and put him back to deputy and put Douse back. They, they just keep shuffling the decks. Yep. They're all St. George people with a secret handshake, just getting the big payday. <laughs> Tell, I, I don't know where they go. The alternatives was the final thing I want to go on to look, look at here. I agree with you. It's got to come from, from outside. I, I don't think someone from the inside. The only thing I can, only person I can think of from the inside that might be interested, that might be a good option, and, and jury's still out, is Craig, Craig Fitzgibbon. Yeah, maybe. He didn't sell his house at Ostermere when he was offered the job up in Newcastle because apparently he he was, I think, word is he had his eyes on that St. George gig. Yep. Um, they're talking about Flanagan. I mean, if if they obviously, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't have Flanagan no. anywhere near my club. No, but, you know, whatever. Um, Fitzgibbon, I would look at. There's big raps on him. I mean, I know a lot of these blokes, well, there's always big raps on them. Um what about someone like Jeff Toovey? 100% I think they need to look at Jeff Toovey. But the same will apply if, if they're getting someone like Jeff Toovey in with the same management they have there. Is he going to fit in? Because everyone has to conform to the management there. They need a complete clean out from the top to bottom. Well, that's I don't not going to happen. That won't happen. I don't I'm know what Gus Gould's review achieved. Didn't achieve anything for me. Similar on the Mal Meninga sort of review. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. They they need a full clean out start again. They're, they're talking about Wayne Bennett breaking his contract at the end of the year to go over there to St. George. The, again, that's just bringing back what they had. Mm. They they need a clean break. I don't know if Jeff Toovey would be interested. I'll give him a buzz tomorrow. <laughs> Might play golf. Don't you reckon that when you look at their lineup, but you think, I don't think there's, I don't think it needs a rebuild. The place in, the place in player roster doesn't need a rebuild. No. Well, as I said to you before, I wonder... If you swap Dean Pay with Mary McGregor, how much worse Canterbury would go, and how much better St George would go? And I, I the think, roster, the roster is infinitely better than what they got at Canterbury, but the guys at Canterbury are putting in for Dean Pay. Absolutely, there, there's no question the, there. The roster's good at St George. It's not, it's not fantastic, but it's pretty damn good. There's a lot of like Canterbury, it's, it's better than Gold 15th. Coast. There's a lot of a lot of clubs would love some of those players. It's better than fifteenth. Absolutely, it is. The Drill Down. Need a sparky, then make the call to NDF Electrical. Do you need electrical work done? NDF Electrical provides expert service and advice on a wide range of commercial and residential projects. With over 23 years experience, NDF Electrical have you covered for all your electrical needs from the Gold Coast, Tweedheads, Byron Bay and everywhere in between. For a free quote, go to ndfelectrical.com.au. NDF Electrical. Well, that was the drill down and uh, that was the second most popular segment in all of podcasting history, but here's number one. Yes, it's time for Grab a Mirrors and um, don't forget, it's thanks to the boys from NDF Electrical, of course, but don't forget you can 
Enter your Grammar Mirror nominations by replying to my first tweet around 7.30 on a Tuesday. I do another tweet around 3.30 on a Tuesday. But you only do on Tuesdays. That's right. Use the hashtag GAM or hashtag Grab a Mirror Sydney. I am going to go first. Yeah, go first, Take brother. your pick over who's the biggest knob nut in these next two stories. Grab a Mirror mum and Instagram model, Sian Bannister. She sparked a racism row this week after she shared a picture of her partner blacked up next to her mixed-race sons on <laughs> social media platform. Yeah. Uh, Cianne, 30, from Bristol, and her partner, David John Norman, appeared nonchalant with his face plastered in brown paint and a dreadlocks wig on. Cianne is shocked she's been called racist because if a black person dressed up as a white person, I wouldn't find it offensive, so it isn't the offensive the other way around. No, of course <laughs> it's not. Uh, history, Cianne, just check it out if you want. Uh, she later said that she wasn't fully aware of the history of blackface. Isn't that funny? As it is far from her mind, responding to the flurry of comments, Cianne said, I actually cannot believe what's going on. Loads of shared overnight, uh, loads of shares overnight and loads of threats. What the fuck? Admittedly, I was ignorant for not uh, taking the history of the blackface into consideration, which was far from my mind. She later said it was her children who told David to put the Rastafarian hat on. Cianne said, <laughs> It's not the hat that's the trouble. <laughs> CN said, Dave put the Rastafarian hat on and it was my son who asked him to paint his face brown. Sure is, my, it was. is my son racist? Uh, you know what? Even if he did all that, don't put it on Instagram. I don't know. So there's something novel. Um, <laughs> complete innocence, she said. A family laugh. Laugh. I just wished Hey Hey It Saturday was back on and they'd, they'd get that joke as long as that pesky Harry Connick Jr. wasn't a guest judge. <laughs> <laughs> now, meanwhile, influencer Ken Francisco D. Dios. Now, I use his real name because you've got to Google this. Uh, he's from the Philippines. Now, Ken Francisco has been identified as the last fucking human being on earth who didn't know that blackface could possibly be considered racist. <laughs> now, Ken, a transgender Instagram sensation in Manila, um, just behind you, Sid, was forced to... I am pretty big in Manila. Was forced to apologise. You're big everywhere. Yeah. Um, was forced to apologise after sharing a photo of themselves in an Instagram post to support... Black Lives Matter. Black Lives do matter, former. It appears as though Ken is the last human being to find out that blackface isn't the go in 2020. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa. D -D Dios shared a collage of photos where he slash she applied makeup to his slash her face to make him heaps darker and then put the hashtag Black Lives Matter. So he thought Black Lives Matter and putting blackface on is a public service announcement. <laughs> He's doing the right thing. Yeah, wow. Now, De Dios has uh, taken to Facebook to apologise following a deluge of backlash as it continues to be shared across Reddit and Twitter. Taking to Facebook, Ken wrote, before everything gets out of control, I would like to apologise for the whole blackface thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens, Sid, when dum-dums have given any sort of platform, including a social media platform. Yeah, I totally agree. So grab a mirror, Cian Bannister and... Ken Francisco D. Dios, more like A. Dios, uh, you pair of absolute ass clowns. Put the makeup away, you idiots. Equal 10. At Team Daily, who replied to my last call for Grammar Mirrors way late and said, Fuck, I hate missing last call for Grammar Mirror. That makes seven weeks in a row. Fuck your last call. Hashtag grab a mirror. That's his grab a mirror. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, very good. He's missed the last call like I've missed the gym the past 800 weeks in a row. Equal 10. 
what big uh, news about uh, your secret meetings next week about the gyms. At <laughs> Two Flies Punting. It's a secret to me. Says, hashtag grab a mirror, any dumb fucknut who missed a perfect round because they backed the Dragons and missed the mega multi-bet. You deserve to lose. Hashtag don't look over here, look over there. Hashtag I am the fucknut. <laughs> uh, I back the Titans. I out fucknut you. Equal. Ten. Titans. Why would you back the... Siri. It's a rough uh, punt, you know. you got to have a stab. you got to have a stab. Harry Hermit says, Hashtag grab a mirror, my local garbos. When I put the bins out the day before, like a responsible adult, you come for them around lunchtime. When I forget, I have to do the mad dash up the driveway at 5am while you hoon up my street and my recycling bin is fucking heavy to drag in a hurry. Mate, my recycling bin is ridiculous. Yeah, that's only because it's full of lawn clippings and every other ash. And it's not recycling, mate. Equal. Ten. What are you talking about? I've seen your recycling bin. Everyone else puts jars and cardboard. You put lawn clippings and like wet ash and everything's like, I don't care. Recycling's bullshit. It's all VB cans. <laughs> Um, at BJO Rosenberg, he's had a crack at one of our other creditors, Efficient Not Lazy, who put up a picture of... Oh, is there a bit of infighting? Yeah. Yeah, good. Efficient Not Lazy put up a picture of uh, the bar that he works at and says, pretty good selection of birthday beers, because it's his birthday today. Yeah, at it the is. Blind Monk. Happy birthday. Um, blah, 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 blah. To which BJO Rosenberg said, hashtag grab a mirror of blokes who post pictures of beers in a shameless attempt at generating birthday wishes. Uh, <laughs> That's a bit narky. Unrelated. Happy birthday, artificial, not lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag minus Sunday. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to wish him a happy birthday. No, or am I? I'm not sure. No, and him, he'll put up pictures of Blue Label Scotch and Grey yeah. Germanage from 1956. In his Roosters jersey, limited edition, Fruit, whatever. Fruitcake. <laughs> Equal. Towns. Good bloke. Like him. At the real underscore Ian Lacey. Hashtag grab a mirror at Richard Branson. Put him in it. And his Virgin Orbit that failed rocket attempt launch. Once again, proving that virgins will fail to get their rockets up. Hashtag <laughs> failed flesh rockets. Hashtag Dick Branson. Hashtag better luck next time. I reckon Richard Branson is looking at that tweet now going, oh, geez, I'm a failure. <laughs> yeah. I've, been, I've been called out. Yeah. I've been called out big time. I'll just go back to my billion, de- billion dollar island and fucking end myself. That's sulk. Equal... At Biggest Faloo says, Grab a mirror, crowd noise. Inspiring the missus to create a real stadium experience at home. She charged me $9.80 for a heated up pie, $7 for a Cornetto. I had to line up for 10 minutes at the fridge for a half-strength beer and there was piss all over the dunny floor. Hashtag might be my piss. Hashtag quick conversation, slow stream. She's clever. (laughs) Making coin. Making dollars. Equal 10. At TD Wilso92. Hey, Wilso. Hashtag grab a mirror WWE. I'm not sure how, but performing in front of a socially distanced renter crowd is a worse atmosphere than no crowd at all. Hashtag how, give it up. How is that possible? I commented on this weeks ago when they persisted with no crowd and it was dead set embarrassing. Yeah, it's no good. Yeah. No. You're a big fan of the WWE, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to trigger you. Keep moving. Move what? on. Don't, don't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I brought it up. It's great in the tweet about that. Um, at glass underscore canoe. Grab a mirror, Mary McGrexit. You magnificent bastard. Haters gonna hate. People just jealous of success. Hashtag see me rolling. Hashtag million dollar man. Hashtag no haircut, no pay cut. Hashtag worth every cent. Very good. Nine. Oh, hang on. That was already nine. 
Let's do this Eat. one. At Eels TCT, the Thumberland, the Thumberland, the Cumberland the Thumberlina throw. throw. <laughs> the Cumberland throw. Hashtag grab a mirror at Phil Gould 15. Put him in it. Good. Remember the days of those pre-origin monologues? You used to be great. <laughs> now you're only an unconvincing mouthpiece for your insidious Channel 9 overlords and you have a face like a sack of batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I'm never one to bag people that have been on this show. Full credit to the boys' very own Phil Gould. He's been on this show. But I've got to say, I've had this conversation with you. He's not doing his cause any good lately, is he? I don't mind him. Weak as piss. Seven. Call me. Um, <laughs> at efficient. They not- got to you too, didn't they? You're part of the Fairfax crew. Part of the Channel 9 crew. I'm deep state. At efficient. All good journalists are getting sacked. They got you on the payroll. At efficient, not lazy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Go to uni, you losers. <laughs> Go to the University of Life. Out <laughs> um, official, not lazy. Hashtag grab a mirror. Anally retentive NRL fans that continually correct new foreign viewers of the greatest game that it's it's rugby league, not rugby. Why do you have to be so freaking nit- nitpicky? Just celebrate and welcome the fact there are so many new fans. Hashtag be nice. Hashtag stop being dicks. Well, these are all wrong. It's rugby league. Rugby league. I, I agree and disagree with that. So do I. It, it, I love that. billion people are now witnessing rugby league on a weekly basis, sucked in Peter (laughs) Fitzsimons. But it irks me, especially in Australia, that they're calling it rugby. Yeah. Because, no, rugby doesn't exist anymore. That's gone. And as you said, I agree and disagree with that tweet. I agree (laughs) because it's your birthday and it's good to be nice to you, but I disagree because it's factually wrong. (laughs) Six. At I'm just hitting numbers now. I'm totally lost where we're at. At Andrew RLP. Good fan of the show. Hashtag grab a mirror. sitting on a phone right now waiting for us. Yeah, uh, he is. <laughs> grab a mirror, Melbourne bus shelters. My nutsack provides more shelter than you do, and I have one ant to provide testimony. Hashtag see what I did there. I don't see what he did there. I'm confused. Oh, Last thing he's talking about, it, he's got a schlong like a like wow, a he loves, baby's arm holding a, an apple. He loves talking up his weight loss and how <laughs> big his dick is. Apparently his nutsack's <laughs> like two brass tacks inside a hairy <laughs> ball bag. <laughs> Swinging in the breeze down there, the cold Melbourne breeze. Like two M&Ms and a piece of elbow skin. Um, (laughs) And then we call him after this and say, how you been, bro? (laughs) He doesn't listen, does he? At Jim Cat 2. Hashtag grab a mirror, Paul McGregor. Specifically the rear view mirror in your car and take one last look as you drive away from the painted gym for the final time. Let's hope so. Hashtag try some kicks, bat-ons, passes, (laughs) missed tackles, poor defence don't count. Tap-ons. You forgot (laughs) tap-ons. No, he didn't. Tap yes, bat offs. Bat offs. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag seven years wasted. Hashtag wake me up when September ends. Oh, I, he's got all of them in there. Which will only mean two more months until the actual season ends because it runs until about November this year. Yeah, they're going to play well into October. <laughs> Good on him. Uh, I think we've got one more. Four. At it all day, sir. Grab a mirror. Boris. And then he's put at Gladys B in it. <laughs> She'll be sitting at home crying for sure. <laughs> you handsome bastard. <laughs> Is that what he said or nah, you said? Me. <laughs> now you have to, now, now you've allowed the pubs to reopen, there'll be no more sneaky at KFC bacon and cheesing as when I duck up the shops with some milk. 
It's back to getting the old sneaky schooner in. Yes, great times. All right, can I have a go now? Okay. Now, former, you know that I like nothing more. I know nothing, mate. You know nothing I like me. nothing more than heading down to the BP here at Mortdale, grabbing a copy of the Telegraph and a $2 coffee and sitting in the park reading about what zany adventures Roxy Jasenko has been up to. Why do you think you're allowed in parks? Oh, <laughs> Jeez, I'm wearing out my welcome up at Oatley Park. I'll give you the tip. I love reading about just Roxy Jasenko, what she's been up to, or finding out what's new in Byron Bay with the Hemsworth brothers, or reading about that funny-looking Kardashian, whether she's got a billion dollars or only 900 million, you know. Or Ken Francisco Didios. <laughs> I really love sitting around reading important journalistic stuff. Yep. Well, during the week, I wasn't disappointed, former, when I read an article about Beck Judd. Oh, boy. I think I've got a new favourite person, former. Beck Judd, if you don't know who she is, she's like royalty down in Melbourne. Forget the real royals like Princess Eugenie or Prince Andrew the pedo. Forget Meghan Markle. <laughs> I'm talking real royalty that this country can get behind with real stories, and that is... Oh, Harry who dresses up as Beck Hitler. Judd. <laughs> I'm really starting to enjoy the regular updates on Beck's life from the very talented journalists at The Telegraph. In just the past seven days, former, in just seven days, we have had these headlines. Footy wag Rebecca Judd posts selfie wearing blue contact lenses. Why is Rebecca Judd in any sort of, first of all, any sort of newspaper, but in any New South Wales newspaper? No one can I even remember. I don't know. But let me continue. Oh, boy. Here was another one. Heartbreak for Rebecca Judd as COVID-19 travel restrictions means she can't holiday in Broome. What? This was an article. Rebecca Judd. Heartbreak. Sorry, Rebe Rebecca. <laughs> Sorry about that global pandemic that's crushed society. Sorry about that. Sorry, Broom. Actually, you're welcome, Broom. <laughs> Rebecca Judd's six-year-old daughter looks just like her. That was a fascinating read. She actually looks like her mum. It was mad. <laughs> Rebecca Judd reveals that her husband would divorce her if she went on Real Housewives of Melbourne. I'm not even sure there was an offer for her to go on there, but no. just hypothetically, this is fascinating stuff. There's another one. Footywag reveals she let her young children watch horror movies so they think she is cool. Look, there were many, many more, former, <laughs> and this is only in the last seven days. Some heavy shit. Four there quarters were, want to get onto this. There were many, many more, I've got to tell you. Um, these are just a snippet from the last week. Now... I understand why all these articles would happen because it's been a slow news week around the world. COVID-19 killing millions of people, Americans protesting and looting. But I want to know about Beck Judd's, Judd's yoga routine. God damn it. But this week, Beck Judd's update took the cake former. Actually, on Thursday... <laughs> I know this one. This is great. Actually, on Thursday, there was a recipe by Beck Judd, Judd how to make a cake. But on Friday... <laughs> In what was billed as an extraordinary tale. And you said to me, you actually did hear about this. Beck Judd revealed her connection to Michael Jordan. It was built up. She's got Netflix all, too, has she? It was built up all week in the... Yeah, let's, let's a bit of reflected glory on this mad show that's on at the moment. Um, 
It was built up all week in the media that this skinny bird was going to reveal her connection to the greatest basketball player ever, Michael Jordan. Now, here was a girl that grew up on the mean streets of Perth who married a footballer. Don't know what else she's done. Somehow managed... (laughs) Somehow she's managed to have some she connection. Did, did weather at one stage. <laughs> oh, she pashed that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was good. Pash him. <laughs> but somehow she's managed to have some connection to one of the absolute greatest sportsmen the world has ever seen. Not her husband, someone else. How is this so, you may ask? What could it be? Did she train with him in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> Teach him how to dunk from the free throw line? Was that her? Did her 15-minute yoga workout help him recover from a knee injury just in time for him to get the Bulls another championship ring? No, it turns out (laughs) the story is nonetheless fascinating. Get this. Beck's wedding dress looks similar to Jordan's wife's dress. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's the story. Fuck off. (laughs) How is this news? This week, News Limited announced that 500 jobs were gone at their company as they closed 100 regional and community print newspapers. Journalists are being laid off everywhere. And this, this former (laughs) is news. Fuck off. Journalism at the moment is an absolute joke in this country. Report the news, the real news, and grow up. News outlets around this country need to grab a mirror and have a good hard look at the crap they are dishing up to realise why people aren't buying the paper anymore. Clickbait is not news. Grow up and get these vacuous wastes of space off the TV, off the radios, out of the headlines and start actually reporting the news. You said two things on that. Yeah. Well said and calm down a little no, bit. I'm, just, I'm a bit agitated, man. I'm agitated. Sweating sweating like a rapist. I've cooked, um, I've cooked Beck, Beck Jug's cake in there. <laughs> I need a piece. I'm going to get my sugar levels back up. <laughs> now, what did you say about... Um, Beck Judd, I'm having trouble saying. Keep calling it Beck Jugs. <laughs> what um, did I say? Are you going through my notes? What? What did I say? You said clickbait isn't news. Yeah. Well, Peter Fitzsimons would dare to disagree with that opinion. Second of all, yeah, I think I know. I think you know. I think most of our listeners know that a little bit of uh, green-eyed jealousy is coming around here because Beck Judd's uh, uh, big fe- festival and spectacular in her backyard last year, Judd Cheller. Oh, uh, yeah, Judd Cheller. That was a whole article. 250 of the most powerful social influencers in her yeah, backyard, a couple of DJs, a band, it didn't look all that the good. newspapers and that. Didn't look that good. Meanwhile, Sid Cheller was you in your undies and a singlet sitting on the lounge wishing you had mates. I had a better time at Sid Cheller <laughs> than I'd ever have at Beck Jug's house. Only because you're eating her cake. <laughs> Three. <laughs> at JJ McHale one. Uh, grab a mirror. Whomever made the new six again bell <laughs> sound exactly like my smoke alarm. Yeah, yep. I yep. said this earlier. The upside is that when my wife burnt the toast this morning, the smoke alarm went off and I was able to yell six again at her while waving one hand above, her head, above my head. She would have loved that. Good work. Two. At mgraz2005. What's Graz got to say? Grab a mirror, Bradman Best, you magnificent bastard. Here, here. Best name in sport. Why kick a moo cow a close second? 
You scored two tries on Sunday. Then in the post-match interview, you gave a credit to the boys. Yes. Reminds me of a young Graz. Hashtag dreaming. <laughs> Hashtag sign him up, Tigers. Well, can I say, it's it's no surprise that he gave a full credit to the boys after that performance. If you go back two or three seasons ago, I actually said, keep an eye out for a bloke out of Canberra called Bradman Best. I tipped it here first. This is why people tune in, former. That's why people tune in. One. True story. Go back and listen. You're an idiot. Um, I'm pretty sure you just took the piss out of his name and said, why is a bloke with two great names like that playing that badly? I'm pretty sure that's what you said. I said said he's going to score two tries in round three 2020. (laughs) Go back and have a look. At Bennett Moncree (laughs) 1. He sounds too posh to be listening to this show. Hashtag grab a mirror, Fox League. If you're going to play crowd noise, at least throw in a few. Get him on side, sirs. He's been doing it all days and... Fuck me, are your eyes painted on? Exactly. I totally agree. Yours sincerely, a real spectator. We all want you to go grab a mirror. We're all hoping that you'll change your way. And no message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. All right, for one great segment, here comes another one. NRL round preview brought to you by Bluebet. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey at bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Yes, round four of the NRL, the only game in town, and uh, we only preview... Um, 300 million people going to be watching. We only preview around each week with the only man in town, and it's this man. Andrew Ferguson from Rugby League Project. You can find him and on Twitter at Andrew RLP. He's in the green shirt these days. Uh, you can find him on his podcast, Fergo and the Freak, on iTunes and other great places you get podcasts and some shitty ones. Check out his OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also... You really should. <laughs> he's the first downloader of Sid's new app, um, Pegging and Dogging. <laughs> which we talked about earlier in the show. How are you, brother? All good, guys. Yourself? How's that Very, app? very well. Go that... the Tigers, eh? Absolutely. Yeah, how's, good was it? How's that new app of Sid's? Is that working for you? <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> he doesn't know quite what to say. You'll hear it tomorrow. Wait till you hear this show later on. Um, mate, uh, we hit into round four, and of course, well, we start with uh, one of the great games. The Broncos will take on the Roosters up there at Daylight Stadium, so Daylight Saving Stadium. Uh, Bluebet have the Broncos at two dollars ninety. They have the Roosters at a dollar forty. What are the stats saying here, mate? Uh, the last time the Roosters won on a Thursday in June was back in round six, nineteen twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon they're going to break that this week? Well, oh, you know what I've. I reckon they might beat the Hoodoo. It's only 100 years old. They should be able to do it this time. Do you reckon there'll be a big fanfare when they do beat the Broncos? Like that's a Look, massive... I'm going to talk that stat up. I reckon that, that needs <laughs> that to is be a massive promoted stat. big time. It's one of your best. You're backing them, mate? You're backing the Roosters? Yeah, I'll go the Roosters. Yeah, I'm, the yeah, I'm going the Roosters. I think it's uh, across the board. You'd... Broncos need to show something. I think there might be in a little bit of trouble for a little while. Who are they resting this week? It will be interesting. <laughs> we'll see. I think... Um... <laughs> Dizzy Gillespie and Murph Hughes are sitting here this week. <laughs> Didn't it work well the for the Aussie rotation cricket team? Uh, the, the the game first game on Friday night is the Penrith Panthers, and they're taking on everyone's favourite team, the Tamworth Warriors. The Panthers with Blue Bet are a dollar forty three. 
New Zealand Warriors are $2.75. It is, of course, being played at the Meth Lab out at Campbelltown. Andrew, what are the stats saying, brother? Uh, in the last 1,832 hours, the Warriors have scored 24 points and conceded just four. <laughs> I'm doing me math in my head, but it's late. <laughs> I've had a few beers. <laughs> is that even long? It's not long. No. <laughs> There's a catch to that. Um, <laughs> mate, Come on, that uh, sounds impressive. <laughs> who are you backing? Um, I'm going to go the Warriors. Why the hell not? The Tamworth Warriors. Yeah. Geez, that's a bit rough. $2.75. Yeah. You know what? I hate the Panthers. Well, I don't hate the Panthers. I do. I hate their coach. <laughs> I hate their halfback. Uh, I hate their attacking plans. Love their TikTok. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I think the Panthers will get up over the Warriors. Yeah, unfortunately, I do too. I think um, as nice as last week's story was, and that was a nice story, I think this week reality will strike. Uh, the second game on Friday, the Melbourne Storm are taking on the South Sydney Rabbitohs down there at Ronda and Katut. It's a dollar forty-three. the Storm. It's $2.75, the Rabbitohs. Uh, what are the stats saying here, Andrew? Yeah, it's not good for South because they've never won a game in Victoria. They've had 15 losses from as many games, scoring 142 points, conceding 502. That's an average score of 33 to 9. So you're saying they're due. Is that fair, Inca? No. They just cannot win down there. Yeah, right. Um, And on those stats alone, you'd say no chance? No chance. Are you picking to win this one? Are you going all out picking the score 33 to 9? Are you backing your (laughs) stats in? I'll I'll go with it. Why not? (laughs) It'll it'll be like 9 all at half time, and then the Storm will just run away with the second half. They've got to kick an early field goal. I love an early field goal. I'm going the Storm. I think Bellamy will be yelling at all these players to figure out how they can rot these rules, and they will find a way to rot the rules. Will the Rabbitohs fly down and then have to come back straight away? Is that how it works? Every team has to go straight back home. Mm. Uh, The Storm for me. Too good. Um, the Eels will take on the Manly Warringah Seagulls. Here we go again. Manly and Para. Um, it's a dollar sixty-two for the Parramatta Eels on Blue Bet. It's two dollars twenty-five. The Manly Warringah Seagulls. They're playing at Wank Best, of course. And uh, Andrew, what are your stats saying about this? Uh, the last three times that Mitch Moses kicked five goals from six attempts, his side went on to lose the following week. <laughs> Only you can provide these stats. <laughs> so, what are you saying? Oh, you know what? I'll go with Parramatta. I'll, I'll, I'll get him to, to buck the trend. Okay. I'm actually going Manly. I, I like Manly. So do I. I actually think. I think this will be the game of the round. Yeah. I reckon this will be a cracking game. Um, next game up is North Queensland Cowboys. They're taking on the. Uh, Injury-depleted Cronulla, Sutherland Sharks. It's up there at Kissing Cousin Stadium. Bluebet have them at $1.53, the Cowboys. They have the Sharkies at $2.45. Andrew, stats, what are they saying, mate? Uh, The last time the Sharks lost an away game on June 6th was round 11, 1971. (laughs) Jesus. So there's no chance? No, I mean, the the stats suggest they are. I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit torn on this one because the Cowboys won't have Jason Tormalolo either. <gasps> whoa, 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 what? What <laughs> mm. a change your bit. What happened there? He's, he's been ruled out this week. He's got a bruised knee or a bruised bone on his knee or something. You want to see Blue better taking that bet now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, oh, I've already put the bet on. This is what happens when we're cooped up in the studio all day on a Tuesday. <laughs> we missed Teamless Tuesday at the end here. Um, 
yeah, okay, well, I'm still going North Queensland because <laughs> I've already put the bet on. Because you invested heavily. <laughs> and really, when have North Queensland had, Queensland needed Taumalolo? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's no big I, out. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Cowboys only because the Sharks are going to have Moylan and Johnson in the halves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's getting worse. <laughs> it is. Sid, Sid's got a... A whole heap of shares in Blockbuster he's trying to offload. Um. I feel ill. I feel ill right now. <laughs> he has just loaded up Deluxe on the Cowboys without knowing that. A vital piece of information. <laughs> Excuse me for a minute. You guys keep going. <laughs> that alone makes me think the Cowboys will win. Um, did you back with the start? 1 to 12. <laughs> um, all right, the. The next game, which will... Oh, sorry. The next game will be on Sunday. I'll be dead by then. <laughs> dead drunk or... Necked up. <laughs> the next game sees Canberra uh, come up to their home stadium up at Campbelltown. When I think Campbelltown, I think Canberra Raiders. Yep. They're taking on the Newcastle Knights. Um, it's $1.33, the Raiders with Bluebet. It's $3.30, the Newcastle Knights with Bluebet.com.au. Andrew, what are the stats saying here, mate? Uh, the last time the Knights won an away game in round four was in 2012, and before that, it was in 1997. Ooh. Okay, so what are you thinking, Raiders? Canberra. Canberra by a big margin. Yeah, I, I think the same, mate. Yeah, reckon? look, I love the Knights. I love what they did last week, but that's You don't gotta... love the Knights. You've been stinging into one for the last two years. I bag every team, <laughs> except the Tigers. <laughs> um yeah, there was a lot to like about the Knights last week, but a game like that saps out, I think. The Raiders were in That's good true. form, and they got over Melbourne. Raiders, I think, will win quite comfortably. Geez, how good last week. They were. Um, the second game on Sunday, See, what's a blockbuster? The Gold Coast Titans take on the traditional rivals, rivals, the West Tigers. I'm not going the Titans this week. <laughs> it's $2.85, uh, the Titans, with um, bluebet.com.au. It's $1.38, the Tigers. Andrew, what are your stats saying here, mate? Uh, the Titans have conceded 500 points in the last calendar year more than any other NRL side. It is Ooh, unbelievable. That hurts. Uh, they've made some changes, I believe. I think they've dropped... Did they bring Cartwright in? Mm, not sure. They should. Yeah, they have. Have they really? Yeah. Yeah, good. Jeez. Oh, um, I really should have done my research before I did any of these <laughs> tips. What are you thinking, mate, Titans? Uh, Tigers by about... I'll, I'll look, I'll... I'll I'll play it safe. Tigers by about 64. Yeah, I'm going tight. Tigers 13 plus. I'm off um, the Titans. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like them last week. Yeah, I'll go the Tigers as well. Um, and the final game, the holiday Monday game, it's the blockbuster. It's the Spoon Bowl. It's Canterbury, Bankstown Bulldogs. They're taking on the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Last coach standing, they're calling it. It's $1.86. What a spectacle this will be. <laughs> Bulldogs. Uh, Bulldogs are favourites. Get that. It's $1.90, the Dragons. Uh, both with bluebet.com.au. Andrew, what are your stats saying, mate? Um, if you exclude games played against the Gold Coast Titans, the West Wales Raiders have had more wins since July 1 last year than the St. George Lord Dragons. <laughs> they lead 1-0, wow. which can actually be the scoreline for this match. Yeah, it's going to be a shit show. What are you backing? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the Dragons because every time McGregor's job looks like it's on the line, he comes out with a few wins just to shit all the fans. 
because then you'll get a contract extension. It'll be on for another four years. I am in your camp firmly, mate. I think this is the way this always rolls with this bloke, and I think he will get a win. He could They could win by 13-plus, this team. And the, the fact is, Andrew, I still look at their team on paper and think it's not bad. No, it's a great team on paper. This is a, one of the best forward packs in the comp. Yeah. Yeah, and you convinced me, former off-air. This is before we knew that Jason Talmalolo was out, but... <laughs> I'm going to persist. Last week, Sid's rough punt got up for all you punters. Paid an absolute mozza. The draw killed me. Edric Lee with his stupid boogie board shin pads <laughs> and dick fingers dropped the ball. Could have won. Could have been 1300 bucks, but we won about 600 bucks. So this week, we're doing this. Write this down, Andrew. You're the first one in the world to hear this bet. Obviously, I won't get Sorry. up, but write it down anyway. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Storm to win 33 to 9s in there. Well, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Manly, I'm picking Manly to upset the Eels. Manly got three and a half uh, point start. I'm taking that at uh, $1.95. Mm-hmm. No. $1.90. $2.25. Anyway, Manly. I think you're giving away it, aren't you? Manly plus three and a half. They've got the start. Oh, I nice. reckon Manly will upset them. Um, I'm also going North Queensland Cowboys. <laughs> Minus Jason Talalolo. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going North Queensland Cowboys 1-12 to 12 over the Sharkies at about $2.80 through Bluebet. I'm going the Tigers 13 plus. Load up on that. It's $2.50. That's ridiculous odds. They're going to smash them. And you guys actually convinced me the Dragons are giving away one and a half. And I'm taking that at $2. So the four-leg multi is $27.30 thanks to Bluebet. I'm sending them broke dead set. They're going to kill me. I mean, if if the Cowboys can find someone to replace the four kilometres that Tamalolo runs with the ball each week, they should be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm devastated. Let let me just play the jingle while I go and slash up. He's not that important to them. <laughs> Very overrated, I find. Um, no, well, no Michael Morgan. No Tal Malolo. They're, they're absolute morals to smash the Sharkies. Ironically, no no Captain Morgan, which is what you'll be drinking all Saturday afternoon. Well, I so will. <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget, you can donate to the Rugby League Project. It's one of the greatest... Uh, um, websites, uh, rugby league. One of the great rugby league websites. Just short of Pornhub is the most hits that I go through each week. It's not quite as good as my new app. No, <laughs> dogging and pegging Australia. I mean, <laughs> get around it. It's still in the beta version, but it's going okay. Yeah, a couple of court cases and we'll get through. Andrew, thank you very much. I'm sure you like to be associated with dogging and pegging dot com today, but uh, why but- not? <laughs> Uh, I think you can also donate donate to the Patreon on RugbyLeagueProject.org or Sid's uh, Patreon on OnlyFans. Yeah, go to my OnlyFans. Um, you can also re- find Andrew on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And he always answers people's requests. How many requests you got this week for stats? And you're always on the money, my friend. There's been an awful lot of come through this week about Mitch Moses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been a bit quiet on those ones. <laughs> That's what you're known for. And, of course, listen to Andrew's podcast with The Freak. It's Fergo and The Freak. Find it on iTunes, mate. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, guys.
Sack mail and feedback time. We'll make it nice and quick. Um, don't forget the tipping comp. Yes, don't there forget is, to put in your tips. Uh, the bloke that's leading is by the name of at form underscore legend. The bloke running second is at form underscore legend's tiny wiener. Something, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> something like that because they never go apart. Mate, some of those names, one's like Sid Stinks. Not a lot of thought went into that, but it's pretty accurate. I'm filthy on your mum for using that name. I don't yeah, even... I told her, don't get any footy comp. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm coming about 170th. That's because I picked the Titans last week. Yeah. No, I would have jumped up 80 spots. Uh, don't forget Sid's rough punnies in some rare form. Probably don't rare use this. Rare form. This week's punt won't be worth looking at. Mate, that'll be the upset of the round. <laughs> He's well studied. <laughs> North Queensland Cowboys will smash these sharks. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now... Our big exciting uh, merch um, news news or the new product, it will be on the website when you hear this. Yes. It's on a bigcartel.com. What, what is the address, former? What is the address? I'll it's tell you what the address credit is. To the boys it's www.fullcreditstotheboys.bigcartel.com. That's what I said. Uh, www.fullcreditstotheboys.bigcartel.com. We're doing footy jerseys. It's sick. And Full they, credit to the boys footy jersey so we need pre-orders basically um we need to know sizing before we f- send away the final order the the price is 69 90, 69 dollars 69 bucks free of postage free postage um they look awesome yeah they're great i've uh, ordered jerseys for a club i was involved in a few years ago and the jerseys are great yeah so and they hold up too they, they don't yeah they're not shit quality or anything no so. absolutely uh so they're 69 bucks it's got all the sponsors on there mayor inc road Blue Bet, NDF Electrical. Yep, they're all there. Get around them. Sixty nine bucks. Uh, help the podcast that helps you <laughs> sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really cool. So go and order so we can get them out to you. It will take a few weeks, but order soon because there there is only a limited amount too. And as I always say, pump up the jam. Pump it up while your feet are stomping and the jam is pumping. Good night. Good night. Pump it up while your feet are stumping And the jam is pumping Look ahead, the crowd is jumping